Hi, how are you? I'm fine. Welcome back to another episode of Middle Class Rockstar. Before we jump into things, I have to uh, make a quick shout out to Three Freaks Brewery in Highlands Ranch. I play there a lot. I go there a lot. I drink there a lot. And they donated a keg to my band for a music video shoot uh, that we had last weekend. And there was some leftover beer, so I've been drinking it in the garage. It's great. And there was some leftover for my interview with Seth, and so he had some and he loved it. Is there one of their IPAs called the Merkin? And they have the accompanying Make America, wait, Make American <laughs> Great Again merch to go with it. And if if you're sitting in Three Freaks and you look over at the hat, you have to do a double or even a, a triple take to see that it says American as opposed to the other thing. The, the A and the M are spaced very closely together. Anyway, thanks Three Freaks for the beer. It's been great. My guest today is Seth Beamer. We go way back to, I, we played in ensembles together in college. I think we met in the Piano Trio Ensemble. Um, what, maybe my senior year. We graduated high school in the same year, 09. We're the same age. We're 91 babies. And to make an even deeper connection, before we met each other, he dated a cousin of mine, a second or third cousin, but still, we're we're related. And I actually saw that side of the family a couple nights ago at a gig I was doing. So we're we've been we've been interconnected um, in various ways for quite some time. Seth also played in my band for a while. We did some tours together a few years ago, and he he did end up quitting the band, and it was for the best for both sides. But we hadn't ever really talked about it, and we sort of we sort of hashed it out here on the podcast today. We chatted for quite a while um, about what happened, and and it was great. I don't think either of us felt the need to talk about it. We we've, we've been doing a church gig together um, at Edge Church for the last couple years almost every Sunday and we see each other and we've gotten lunch several times and it's never been an issue you know we never needed to talk about anything really but it was it was cool that we did here it was a really a really great conversation in general one of my favorite podcast episodes I've done he goes really into depth he gets deep uh, in his personal life and his music life and it's just uh, it's a really interesting story and this is also our longest episode ever of Middle Class Rockstar. We're clocking in over two hours. The interviews usually range from 40 to 60 minutes, but this one this one went long, and, and why cut it off? The content was great, and we didn't, we didn't rush it. We took a couple quick intermissions, but we just kept talking until there was nothing else to talk about, and, and I'm really glad we did. Seth is a multi-talented dude. He plays in several bands around town. His main project right now is a band called Wilderness. They sold out the Bluebird Theater here in Denver last weekend. I was there with my girlfriend. It was a great show. The light show was sick. It was an all-around awesome performance. They have a brand new one out called In My Mind that you can find on Spotify or wherever you stream your music, obviously, because it's, it's almost 2020 and all music is everywhere. 
Wildermiss has certainly established themselves in the local scene, and they are abroad as well. They've been doing some headlining tours. They've also gone out on the road doing opening slots for groups like Bronze Radio Return, Jared in the Mill, and the Oh Hellos. Go check out their music if you haven't. Seth also is a photographer and a video editor. He does music videos. He does senior pictures. He does promo pictures. He just did some for me a few weeks ago that I think turned out great. He does a lot of different things. He's an interesting dude. Let's just jump into it. Here's my interview with Seth Beamer. Here we are, Seth Beamer. Hey, hey. What's happening, man? Uh, nothing much. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for thanks for coming on. It's good to have you back in the basement. I forgot you've been down here many times. Dude, yeah. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. sending you my address uh, 10 minutes before you were supposed to be here <laughs> and uh, remembered that you probably know how to get here. I know how to get here. Yeah. So what's what's been going on this weekend? How was church? Did you play? Did you do the Did you do the Edge gig? Dude, yeah, I played at Edge this morning. We missed you, dude. We missed you at Edge this morning. Um, I'd imagine. Dude, we always miss you. Come on. <laughs> no, it was, it was a good time. Um, there wasn't another keyboard player, was there? There was no other keyboard player, which is oh it, yeah, it's a it's definitely thin without you, you know. But we know how it goes. We had a I don't know if you should edit this out, but we had a big mess up today, man. Really? You know, that kind of that happens you know you have that those shows where you have uh the drummers <laughs> um gosh i already feel like i'm saying things i shouldn't but the click track went out or not not the click track i'm sorry his uh his pack went out oh no and so he couldn't hear the click at all or any of the track and you know at church it's always big tracks um right and so the whole thing was just off and we, he tried to just stay on it and watch it and it just I it's think okay. anybody else, if their pack went dead, because mine has before, yeah, and I just apologize for it in the meeting afterwards, and it's not a big deal because I can yeah. sort of, I can, unless it's a big piano track, I can sort of step out for a second. Drums, you can't. Drums is the worst. Dude, drums, you're, it's done, dude. It's yep. it's over. Yeah, because at least everyone else can follow the drums. But if the drums are out, well, and the great thing about you know messing up a church, church is, um, it's it's church, man. It's it's okay. Yeah. We're all in in happy people and happy to, you know, there's no hard feelings at, at that's church, the usually. One thing. Everybody's so nice. Dude, especially at that that edge, man. Edge, yep. edge is just such a good place to be. Yeah. I didn't I didn't see myself when I first did that gig, which I got from you. Yeah. I didn't seem I didn't know that I was going to become a regular <laughs> a regular performer there. I thought, "Oh, I'll do I don't a, think I did either. A couple gigs and then uh, I I look forward to the band so much. I just love the band. Yeah, I know. We talk about that a lot. Yeah. Like just, uh, I know you and I and uh, multiple people at that church, you know, we all say how much we love being there and getting to play with each other and um, just what a good community it's been. Yeah. 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 Well, um, uh, it, it was, I will say it was nice getting out of bed at nine o'clock. Yeah. So. <laughs> Dude, I am feeling the, the early mornings right now, man. It's like, yep. man, I've been tired. Yeah. I've been tired. Yeah, yeah. It's not right for musicians. No, no, it's not. It's uh, unholy. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> you can edit that out. No. <laughs> um, so 
you play in a lot of bands around town or in a couple bands around town. You've been in the scene for a while. You're a CU Denver cat. Yeah. Let's just kind of, as we get into all that, let's go back to the beginning. Let's talk about Seth Beamer first getting into music. Dang. Where were you? What was your family like life? Into music? Like life like. Oh, man. Okay. Um, this is kind of a fun story, I guess. I've been playing music since uh, I got a violin when I was like three started lessons when I was four and um, did the Suzuki violin thing, which I'm sure, I'm sure there's so many, you know, other kids out there like that. And I'll be honest, I was forced into it. I was forced into music. Um, music is a, eh, I don't want to say a big part, but it's a fair, fairly big portioned part of my dad's side of the family. And uh, they were all like classical musicians and Suzuki um, his mom was a Suzuki, Suzuki instructor and had all of them playing, you know, classical instruments. And, uh, so then I was forced into playing it as well. I was forced into violin and I say forced as if a four-year-old knows what the heck is going on. Yeah. Um, you know, so I did that for years and I actually, uh, hated it. <laughs> I ended up hating it. I hated, I hated going to lessons and I hated, um, having to do it, which is so ironic now looking back, but I remember uh, you know, faking being sick. <laughs> so I didn't have to go to my lessons. And it's kind of funny telling that story now to some of my students' parents. And, <laughs> yeah, well, and as a comes, teacher and myself. it comes full circle when some of your students yeah. play sick to go to your lessons. I know, yeah, I'm sure. Well, and the thing is, you know, these days as a teacher, I, I never hold it against a kid if they don't want to do it. And I think, you know, I try and make it more fun than it was for me. Um, like, rather than a, it was always a have to, have to do it kind of thing, rather than a, um, uh, look how exciting this is kind of thing, right? Being right. shown how exciting it is. So yeah. that's something I, I try and do in my own teaching is show kids how exciting it, music can be. You know, I want it to be only a fun thing because um, it, it is a fun thing. Music's you know? fun, man. Yeah, it's a blast. We're um, not doing it because uh, we're not doing it for the money or because we hate it. No, not at all. Not at all. So um, anyways, it was a, it was kind of a negative relationship growing up. Um, did, you know, And where violin, did you grow up? Uh, Broomfield. Okay. Yeah. So I didn't, I wasn't too far. <laughs> we were always neighbors. We were always neighbors, yeah. man. Yeah. Growing up kind of crazy. Um, I wasn't, I was actually born out in New York, but my family moved around, uh, as a young kid a lot. My dad was a electrical engineer and had jobs all around the world. And, um, so, but we ended up in Colorado, which is great. I love Colorado. So it's cool to be here and still be here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I had a pretty negative relationship with music, did violin, um, a short time, did viola, did piano. Now what, <laughs> um, <laughs> why would a parent, uh, or, or whoever this was say, ah, my son didn't like violin. I'm going to make him play viola. Yeah. Well, I, I think that was probably a little bit of me. I know I only had like maybe a lesson or two on viola. And I can't remember, I, I have just a very, very small memory of that. It wasn't like I was performing on viola. I was definitely yeah. performing on violin. Okay. But I, I, I think maybe that was, my dad was a viola player and maybe a little bit of was that was like, hey, I should do this oh, with man. my dad. Maybe, I don't know. It was a weird, I just had a really weird relationship with um, music and, you know, uh, on a more personal basis, I, I continue to have a weird relationship with my, my dad, which I think, you know, part of the music and dad relationship would kind of coincided with each other right which is kind of weird growing up um yeah but he was a he was a viola guy he was a viola guy and like i said like his whole side of the whole side of his family was um 
classical. They were all classical musicians. Yeah, so, how, and, and when you say he was a viola player, my parents were both players, but I would say they were good amateurs. But, yeah, you know, he, he wasn't a pro. No, okay, no, no, okay. no, no. I don't come from a, a family of pro musicians in the sense of what we're doing today, you know? Uh, like, no, not gigging or anything. He did, I don't know what he continues to do. I um, We're kind of uh, estranged, but, you know, I know in his adult life he has done some uh, symphonies and stuff, you know, so, but nothing, it's all community based. It's nothing, nothing professional. So, um, but the whole basis for getting me involved was more because not only of his background and his family's, but because it's like music's good for you, right? Like music's music makes you better at math and science. The statistics show it. So let's get you in. And that makes every kid When you have and, a kid almost convinced to do music lessons and you tell him it'll make him better at math and uh, science, he's like, fuck this. <laughs> Dude, yeah, I uh, I don't, yeah, that's, it just kills me to, to think that that's like kind of where that came from. And, you know, I'm sure, who knows, he, he might have something different to say about that, but yeah, that's where I'm coming from. Uh, How old were you when you quit? Quit violin? The stringed instruments. Oh, um, it was before age 10. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was like... Seven, eight, I don't know, something like that. So I only did it for a few years, but but I remember the Suzuki thing for for people. It was Suzuki, right? It was Suzuki. For the people that don't know, that is a a style of learning where it's very involved at a young age. It's rote. You're not reading music. Yeah. And you're you're playing in groups. And a lot of times the the strict teachers have the parents in there learning the instrument with the kid. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We we had a couple a little bit of that, too. I do remember, though. um, And I know I know reading isn't so much part of Suzuki, but I remember reading. I remember doing some reading and a little. Yeah. um, Because I've I it's kind of weird to think now, like, I don't know what it's like to not know what how to read a treble clef. Like, I I don't know what that's like. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I know I've been reading a treble clef ever since I've been reading English. <laughs> right. So yeah. Yeah. Um, and which is, which is awesome in the, in the grand scheme of my life. You know, I think that's a great thing. Well, and I, I, I like the rote idea of the Suzuki method. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's kind of cool for a little kid who, Oh, absolutely. The music might mm-hmm. be meaningless at first. Yep. Um, but it's an interesting method of learning. It is. Yeah. And, and I think because I do a little bit of that, even with my students today, a little bit of the rote method, either like just working by ear, you know, a lot, or especially with drum students, <clears throat> um, sometimes I'll drum on their back, you know, so that they can uh, know what it feels like uh, rather than just what it sounds like. Because yeah. the common thing with a lot of beginning students is they try and they try and feel the music when like you don't, you're not born with musical feeling necessarily all the time. Um, and so to be able to like physically put some vibration into their body has helped a lot. And I think that is that still rote method. I can't remember if, if that's specifically rote method or not. That I is where I, not. that's where I tuned out in Gregory yeah. Walker's class. I, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I just told you everything I know about Suzuki. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I remember there's, there's different methods. I thought that was still part of rote, but I could be wrong. But, um, yeah, yeah. yeah um, Suzuki was cool. Um, just as far as like being able to get that knowledge and, uh, have like, have been able to retain that for so many years, you know, like those were the formative years of me being a musician. And I really feel like just being involved in music from such a young age has given me, um, I guess the, I don't know, it's, it's 
put me a little bit ahead as, as an adult, whether or not I've put in the practice or not <laughs> throughout all my years of being alive. I don't know if I've, I've put in the necessary hours of practice, but regardless, just having that experience has really helped, you know? Well, and I think having it at a, at a young age too, I, you've probably seen the Ted talk with Victor Wooten yeah, where he talks about music as a language yeah. and he goes you yep. wouldn't put a bunch of babies in a room with other babies and have them learn how to speak english till they're as good as a toddler exactly that would be dumb yep. they're constantly surrounded by they're constantly surrounded from a young age and uh you were yeah you know you were you had music around and i think that can't be a bad thing i think that all contributes towards your quote Absol- unquote 10,000 hours yeah absolutely yeah it totally it contributes to that but at the same time like we'll kind of go back to the um I, I music should only be a fun thing and I hope that when I have kids or when as I'm teaching you know I want to I want to showcase to them not how music is such a good thing for you but how it's just a fun thing and yeah. the spirituality behind it cuz music is so spiritual to me yeah um and I want to be able to like show them live concerts and show them the the culture of it more you know rather than just like doing it but rather like involving them in the atmosphere of it are you so you're having them wear like bell-bottom jeans and stuff (laughs) yeah man we're going we're going full hippie on this man we're we're camping out we're going to the shows and yeah um dude you're getting blown up over here i don't know know how to i don't know why my phone is connected to my laptop and i don't know how to fix it but but it is. Mine is like that too. And, and same with my iPad. So when I'm in lessons all the time, I'll just get text because I'm in a text message thread with, uh, you know, my band and yeah. we just get blown up all the time. But anyway, so that's where I right, started right. was, uh, we'll go back to the original question of, you know, telling yeah. the story of the life. So, uh, you know, Suzuki growing up, did the, did the piano or the violin, uh, and then piano eventually didn't like piano either, of course. Um, and then of course of course (laughs) well i just like i wasn't i wasn't uh given the option in that instance either it was like you're gonna play this instrument then you know and like i that's another thing is i I think kids some parents bring in their kids to lessons sometimes and they're like i want my kid to play this and i'm always and if the kid shows interest in another instrument i'll always tell the parent hey like they're showing interest in this other thing i think it might be worth giving at least one lesson in it and and the great thing about um, having, uh, working at a studio rather than privately or work going to their home is I do have the ability to just like, we have the room with drums in it, or we have the room with the guitar amp in it or what, or we have a bass on the wall or whatever. Yeah. Like, let's just book one lesson with that and we'll see how they like it, you know? Yeah. So, um, rather than like going to their house and they only have that one instrument, you know? So I, I think that's a positive aspect of uh, working out of a studio, you yeah, know, sure. or out of a school. Right. So, um, but yeah, I think, you know, I was, I was forced into that one too. I hated it. Um, and then I get to sixth grade, sixth grade band. And I'm sure just like you, um, you know, you have to choose band, orchestra, or choir. And I did band and did the clarinet because my mom had this old clarinet that she um, had from her days. And not that my mom's a crazy big musician or anything, but, uh, you know, I played her old clarinet, which was cool. And yeah. Um, wasn't a huge fan of that, but I was getting really into Blink-182 at the time. And, uh, I'm picturing you playing Blink-182, like (laughs) a lot smaller, but still with a full beard, playing Blink-182 on clarinet. Hey, that's, uh, borderline what happened. You're already getting the picture. That's what happened. That's what happened. Well, so, hey, let's back up just a little bit. Uh, 
yeah. in the personal yeah, sure. life. So what was what yeah. was your family life like as a kid? Siblings, parents? Oh yeah, I had uh, I have one sister, a younger sister. She did the music stuff with me. Um, it, she didn't do the or I can't remember. She did violin. She might have done a little violin. She definitely did the piano with me. Um, and then moving forward from that, she did not do other instruments. Um, okay, she so it. she wasn't as forced into it. It seems uh, she was forced into it, but you know, being younger than me, um, she didn't see so much of the the craziness of the force as I did. Yeah, they, maybe. I, the, I think parents stop caring when the second kid comes out. <laughs> I don't know, Chelsea, if you're listening, maybe you could tell me later if you feel differently. Um, she, you know, like her and I haven't really ever talked about um, our early music days and how she feels about the music side of that. So yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but uh, family side, you know, uh, did not. I grew up in a pretty crazy household um, that ultimately fell apart. Um, so, which is, you know, unfortunately pretty common in the u.s today your parents uh, were together when you were born they were together when i was born and all the way through till um the end of middle school okay and then uh divorced when i was uh early high school or split they actually split when i was like at the end of middle school and then early high school finally got divorced wow yeah so that was those were some crazy years for sure um, and during those years, like right before then, so I was 12 and I got my first guitar for my birthday. And that's when, that was the first instrument that I got to choose. That was the first instrument that was like, I want to play this. Cause I like Blink-182, right? Yeah. Cause I was like getting into Blink-182 and, um, yeah, sorry if I have a shaky voice when I talk about some of this. It, it's, it was a crazy time. Oh man. yeah, absolutely. You know? Um, so yeah, were you going <clears throat> back and in, in high school, were you going back and forth between houses? For a hot second, uh, yeah. it was it was not as um, it wasn't as like cut and dry as that because it, it was it was intense. It was very uh, it was kind of crazy actually. So uh, you and I being friends as long as we have, yeah. I don't know if I've ever told you the full story of all of my life and craziness I, with my family. I don't think so. Yeah. I think, I think I I'm kind of blowing your mind right now. I just get snippets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let, so let it rip. Um, well, I mean like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to get too far into it and, sure. and expose too much, uh, necessarily, but, yeah. uh, not that I want to keep anything from you guys. If anyone had any questions, you know, they're always more than welcome to ask. I'm an open book, but it's just, it was a very, uh, emotional and crazy ride. Yeah. Um, a lot of court, a lot of counseling, a lot of like just you know, the things that no kid should really have to go through, right. unfortunately, you know, because um, it's hard enough to go through a divorce, let alone all the the craziness that goes with that, you know. Yeah. Um, but I think in a big way, honestly, I really think that the reason why music and why I am an artist and why I feel so connected to music now is not only because of how young I started and how formative it is in like just my DNA as far as like yeah. my, my upbringing, but also, um, you know, going through that kind of just, it, it makes you a little different, <laughs> how, and you know? Absolutely. And, yeah. and now I'm trying to picture teenage Seth. Are you locking the door in your room and jamming blink 182 and nirvana as loud as you can where yeah. and, and and what was i mean what was what was what did music give you at that point what yeah. emotion were you feeling and what outlet was music for you at that point mm. i would say at that point music wasn't necessarily playing wise 
it was playing wise it was an outlet for me and i i was lucky enough to have some friends who played drums and uh shout out mike eldridge um who is a great great friend he still is a great great friend of mine um will always be one of my best friends um and his whole family too uh but i spent some time with him growing up he played drums at the time and uh, him and I would jam and, you know, so we'd just jam the basic stuff, maybe some Blink-182, maybe some ACDC or whatever. And, yeah. Um, just the easy stuff or maybe just getting together and I just play some power chords and he plays a rock beat or whatever. So I think it, as far as playing, like that's kind of the extent of that was just getting to get, be social with it and play with friends. And um, I did play in my room a, a good amount, but not like I wasn't, you know, from from being a youngster and the having having the experience that I had with lessons already and playing, I wasn't like a big practicer. I was not a big player. Yeah. Um. So, but I was a huge listener, huge listener. Yeah. So, uh, and I got really into bands. Like, uh, I'm, I'm gonna get so much shit from <laughs> for this, from uh, from my crew, man. Uh, but you know, I'm talking My Chemical Romance. I'm talking oh, sure. early Fallout Boy. I'm yeah, talking Blink One Eighty Two. Yeah, well, you know, like uh, Sugar were going down and all that. Oh and, my God! So that's like fourteen-year-old Seth, just like. Oh, I still man. can't tell exactly what he's saying in the chorus. I used to just be like, "Is it we're going down, down, and early around?" And Sugar, we're going down swinging early. I'll be your number one with the bullet, a loaded God complex, cock it and pull it. What? I don't know how many times I've ever listened that- to that song. Never <laughs> thought to look it up. And when I could, probably could look I it actually, up. I don't it? think I've ever looked it up. That's just what I've always known it to be. I, it could be wrong. I could be totally wrong. I thought it was, you cock it and pull it. That's what I thought it was. I think you're closer than I am. No, but that kind of style of music, you know, I loved I loved that music. And then I got a lot into like like Christian rock, like not like worship, but like I'm talking classic crime and Anne Berlin and mm-hmm. uh, you know that kind of that kind of stuff. You know that was maybe later high school I got into all that kind of stuff. But did you ever do a boy band phase? <laughs> okay, yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if if we're gonna go back behind that as a listener, like growing up, I was just total pop guy. Yeah. Total pop kid, you know, like, of course. And we were uh, born in the same year, homie. I know what you listen oh, to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my first concert ever was Backstreet Boys at the <laughs> Pepsi Center. Oh, my gosh. So actually, that, it was kind of fun. My, my first concert ever was Backstreet Boys at the Pepsi Center uh, with my mom. My mom took me. That was my birthday present for my eighth birthday, I think, or something. And uh, what a cool experience, you know. And then wow. it was cool that my mom and I really haven't gone. We haven't gone to uh, music concerts together very much in my life or if at all i don't know especially to the the pepsi center and it just last year um my mom and i listen to different music but one band that we really can like modern group that we can connect with is uh, 21 pilots like she really likes them and i i love 21 pilots so um uh for her i think it was for her birthday last year um i bought both of us tickets to 21 pilots at the pepsi center so we got to go back to the pepsi center together and you know see some music which was awesome yeah yeah Yeah, that was a really fun thing for her and i get to get to go do together yeah um but yeah man i had the boy band phase of course you know blink or uh, sorry blink backstreet boys and in sync um oh gosh who else man uh you know there it's not a boy (laughs) 98 degrees yeah i don't know lion k i guess falls under the christian band category but they were over lion k was later on dude high school lion k was a phase for sure i mean they were part of all that 
Um, another band who <laughs> was kind of on that list was not not the Christian rock list, but in the high school years, or maybe this was more middle school. Maybe was Good Charlotte. Like you remember those guys? Oh, yeah. No pad. Are they the one? No pads, no helmets, just balls. No, Ooh, that was, I can't remember. Or was that one of the other bands that sounds know. like Good Charlotte? Maybe them. I'm thinking like No Killer, No Filler is what you just made me think of, which was okay. Sum 41, yeah. which is another band. Right. Oh, Blink-182, Sum 41, those those are kind of along the same lines for me. Do you, like, do you ever get into like Dashboard Confessional or anything like that? A little bit of that. A little yeah. bit of Dashboard, yeah. Um, but What about the chicks, like Britney Spears, Avril Lavigne? Nah, man. <laughs> no, man. I don't know. I don't know. That just, yeah, that never was me. I'm trying to think if there was any female artist that I was really into in high school. I don't know if it was... There was necessarily any solo female acts yeah. who I got into. Um, nothing against that, but yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, <laughs> so we're, you're in high school and and you're start and you're playing music some, but the, I guess the emotional experience behind it is as a listener. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It was very. It was an escape for me for sure. Like it's an a. It's a. I don't know. Music has always. I've always connected with it in a very spiritual way. You know. Yeah. So. That's kind of where I came from with that. And uh, it's funny. I've always been really good at it, though, really good at music and and not to sound whatever, but um, not that I'm a virtuosic player right now. So I'm definitely not. Uh, But I've always like had a just a knack for it, I guess. And I remember, um, well, I guess not remember, but I've always been told by my family that I was an awesome violin player when I was a kid, you know, a little kid. And um, I used to do actually competitions like you know, Suzuki competitions. No kidding. Yeah. And I would high, I would earn like the highest rank at my competitions. And, uh, I guess like the, um, you know, the judges used to be like, who the hell is this kid? You know? Um, and, or so I'm told everyone, you can give me shit for this later. Can you still play it? Violin? Yeah. No, no, I can't play violin, but you know, it's funny because I've ever since then, you know, maybe I haven't practiced a lot, but I have always been able to like, I've had like a decent, ability and you know i did jazz band all through high school um played guitar and jazz band all through high school um i always got into the top groups um whether it was there or at camps um i uh you know did drumline in high school i i got really heavy into that because of the culture right. and uh that was a really good experience um and then following high school continued to do some of that drumline stuff and then got into college and then you know i was playing bass actually in some drumline the, some bass guitar in some drumline groups and uh, following those groups, I ended up going to college and, you know, started to have to pick something to study. I actually didn't even start out as a performance major. I started out just strictly recording non uh, audition. And so for those who are listening at the school we went to at CU Denver, if you're, you, there's multiple music degrees you can get, you know, and uh, whether or not you want to audition to be a part of it, you kind of get like a minor in your performance or not. And so we, I had decided when I first got in there, I was like, oh, I'll just do the non-audition and I'll just play some, play some bass guitar because I'll just keep doing it, right? Like I've already been doing it with this other group and I'll go do it and just do the recording thing. And uh, anyways, through that, I was just presented a lot of opportunities. Shout out Greg Garrison. Thanks so much for yeah. uh, being patient with me. Dr. And, and, Greg. Uh, yeah, he's, he's been a great mentor and teacher through my college years. Yeah. Um, he was and he was a great player and... Um, awesome teacher but he he like kind of started like i guess uh offering me positions into groups that were either invite only or into groups without audition and i had kind of noticed like hey i'm doing i'm doing pretty good at this bass thing 
And anyways, uh, there was a situation where I didn't do so well. Uh, I wasn't doing well in, in my recording. Um, didn't know if I was going to continue on in it. I, I did end up continuing on in it. Um, and I do have that under my belt now as well, uh, as far as degrees. But um, there came a point where I asked him, you know, about adding on the performance major as well, getting the double. And he was like, yeah, man, I think you fit in right with those kids. Yeah. So I ended up doing that too. And <clears throat> it's funny, the in life, the more that I uh, bet on music or bet on myself with music and performance and playing specifically, the, the more positive an outcome it's been. And I've, you know, music's never let me down in that sense. And and yeah. so what, what was the decision? I mean, the the final decision, just that you're good at it? Or, I mean, I, mean, I think that's part of it for all of us is, yeah. If we're still doing it, we were. You have to have some. This kind is of something I was good at as talent, a kid. Yeah. Um, was there a specific moment where you said, "Music is such a spiritual and emotional thing for me." Listening to, I want to provide this for other people now. Ooh, yeah. As far as providing it for other people, I don't think that really came until I've I felt. Um, highly enough of myself as a musician to be able to share that with people and be able to feel like I could give that gift. Yeah. Um, but before that, just going into college, it was purely, honestly, just deciding to do music at any capacity in college, whether it was recording or performance came from, uh, me just having to go to college because of the family, my mom specifically wanting me to. And, um, also because, just, I guess, societal pressures and, you know, all that good stuff. And which I know a lot of people go through, man. I know that's a, a tough thing. College is a tough thing these days. Um, whether or not it's necessary, I don't know, but it was, it did end up being a good thing for me. And, you know, I chose music because if I was going to go to college, I was going to do, I was going to study what I wanted. Um, cause mm-hmm. I actually started out, I don't, did I, I told you about Wyoming. Yeah. Yes. Have I told you about that? So when I when I first started out, I graduated high school and um, was up in Wyoming you, doing you engineering. You were nine, right? Oh nine, yep. Yeah, yeah I graduated high school oh nine. Um, yeah, ended up uh, studying engineering, electrical engineering at first, and then realized, man, this is not. I could have done it, but it just wasn't me. Yeah. So um, I decided uh, if I was going to do college, I was going to do what I wanted, and that was going to be music in some way, which ended up be re- being recording. And then through <laughs> playing bass, because you still have to take bass lessons, even if you're not a performance or a audition track, I just, just you know had decided to keep doing bass and got opportunities. And then I was like, wow, I think I should, I think I should do the performance thing. And turns out that's that's where I'm meant to be. Or where I think I am. <laughs> uh, you're, you're there right now. Yeah, I'm there. I'm, I've been there ever since. So I think I'm doing something right. So you're in school. You decide to do the double major. Yeah. Um, and Greg is encouraging there. Yeah. You're getting some gig opportunities. At this point, um, at this point, how's the personal life? Are you totally, uh, are, are you spending time with your family? Or are you disconnected a little bit? Is it just a group of friends? Oh, personal life is fine. I think family's always been fine as far as um you know it's it's been it's been good uh uh i haven't had a negative very negative relationship with my family um other than being estranged from my father like you know i think the the rest of my family's been pretty great Um, yeah and if you don't mind me asking at what point did that happen with with your with your dad oh 15 i was 15 years old so um when we stopped talking okay and that's and you guys have not reconciled no, no, no. 
um, you know, who knows when that'll happen or if, if and when. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's funny. I'm sure he'll listen to this, you know, he's, he's, he, he, he keeps tabs, but, yeah. um, it's, it is what it is, man. Sure. Yeah, I've kind of, that's another thing is, uh, being a musician, you kind of live in the public eye in a sense, you know, at, at whatever capacity of musicianship you are, like being a musician, you are presenting a gift to the world. That's literally what music is. It's not, it's not a, it is a personal thing, but it is not a personal job. It is a right. very public job. Right. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's okay. He, he can keep tabs and, um, as I'm sure many other people do who are fans, if I have any of those, <laughs> which we all hope we I'll do. I'll be listening. Right? I'll be listening. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, it is what it is, man. But, uh, you know, through college, uh, you know, the family was good. And, uh, as far as who I was hanging out with, I was, I was playing in bands. I was playing in other groups and had started getting involved in not only school groups, but like outside of school, there were students who were doing bands like Montana Tapwater. Um, you've probably know that name. Yeah, and of course. Seeger and Jason. Seeger and, and Jason and Emma, you know, Seager and Cody. Oh my yeah. gosh. They, they were in that as well. Now that I look back, <laughs> no, I, yeah, dude. Yeah. I remember, I remember Seeger and Jason being involved in it and I totally yeah. spaced the, okay. That's the Emma and Cody. Yep. Wow. Yep. They were both in there too. If so. they did a reunion show, I bet, uh, I bet it'd do well. <laughs> it might be all right. We should we should get it together. We Come on, get guys. It together. You should. That's shout out to Seeger. Seeger. Seeger was the the band leader. We'll, yeah, we'll put it yep. on him. Uh, double decker. Which Seager. actually, thinking about that now, Seeger's kind of how we met. You and I. Really? How did we meet? It was in piano trios. That's where we met. That's where we met, and we were in the same trio with Seeger for a hot second. Okay, can can we can we be honest for a sec? Were we in the shitty group? There was three trios. Were we the <laughs> shitty one? <laughs> Like, do you think you the teachers what? were like... Here's the thing. Uh, I think... Wait a minute. Hold on. Because were we... I remember my original trio was not... Was it with you originally? Was it with uh, Griffin? Alex Griffin? Or no? Oh. So it was Alex Griffin, and then Alex had gone... Shout out, Alex. What's up, bro? You. Alex um, ended up moving. He, he went to another... Er, or maybe it was school was done and he wasn't like it was done for the semester. We had one more show that was in the summer and he couldn't attend. And I think we had, uh, other than that, that's what it was. And we had Seeger, um, play drums with us. Ah. So, so we had known each other just for, for, uh, uh that semester before with, but then eventually Seeger was a part of the trio right. as well. But right. so that, he makes me think of the piano trios with us as well. Cause that's yeah. where I'd met Seeger as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I, there, I'm trying Kevin, who's been my roommate for the last seven years, was in another trio yep. with Tony Diggison, who's yeah. now the bass player for Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Yeah. That's pretty... He was doing it back then, man. Or he, he was, was doing... He was he backup, was, right? Or he something? was in the reserves. Yeah. He was in uh, He was in the reserves back then, but now he's the guy. He's the dude. Um, And he and I went to elementary school together, and his mom was my music teacher in elementary school. That's whole wow. weird thing. That's amazing. Very incestuous here. And then Mikey Smith was the other keyboard and then Mikey Smith. piano player in that group. Um, he is a monster the, jazz player. Yeah. Oh my God. Amazing. He's in LA doing his thing now. So yeah. You know, uh, I think we were the shitty group, but I don't, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I think it was because of me, man. I think if anything is, <laughs> no, I don't, I remember hey, just man, being they so were called piano trios. You can look right at the piano. Player. Uh, no, 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 no. Actually, I remember being very intimidated and impressed by you. 
Um, oh, and yeah, dude, I remember, uh, you were working on that Eleanor Rigby arrangement at the time yep. and, uh, I just thought that was so cool. Oh my God. I'm working with a piano player who writes charts and he does the real shit. And that's the last chart yeah. I ever made. Yeah. Whatever. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, I dude, honestly, you, do you remember that gig that we ended up playing with Seeger? Like that was that yes. summer gig that we played at, at I Dazzle. Rem- I remember to this day, to this day, the worst gig I've ever had. I remember uh, personally, just like personal playing wise. Sorry. Well, I was going to say, I, what I remember about that is I remember uh, Peter Stoltzman actually did get on your case a little bit he did. in the sound check. Well, he didn't get on my case. And this is what I love about Stoltzman. Uh, yeah. One of the best teachers uh, musically or really otherwise ever because of his attitude uh, yep. in this regards. This is, and I, I would like to tell the story because this is, I hope to be this good of a teacher. Yeah, and 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 the university's missing something huge without him. And absolutely. I, and I know I have a couple students that were thinking about going to CU Denver, and they're thinking about going other places now because of that. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah, yeah, dude, he's just he was incredible. That was a situation where you know that was my first. I had played jazz guitar through high school, but like I said, I was not practicing that much. I wasn't like taking things seriously. Um, although I was like getting, I was getting by. I was getting into top groups and getting by and doing clubs and summer camps and whatever, but I was not, I was not doing what I should. And so by the time I get to college, I'm doing bass. And this is my, really my first semester playing with real jazz kids, you know, like I had been studying jazz a little bit in my private lessons, but that was only for a semester prior to that or two semesters prior to that. And then otherwise I didn't really have any jazz bass experience. And so playing with you guys was super intimidating and I had barely any experience. But then when we had done that summer gig, we had a couple new songs and one of them specifically was a blues. And the other songs were kind of like, I remember pop arrangements, kind of like Eleanor. Was it blues for Alice? Ooh, I don't remember the specific head okay. that we played, but I remember it was a blues and I was not walking bass lines at that time. Like I could not walk a bass line to save my life. And I was just like struggling, sweating bullets. And we were on stage sound checking and I just had no idea what I was doing. And I remember Stoltzman stopped us in the middle of playing and he looks at me, he goes, whoa, 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 whoa. He goes, Seth, he goes, man, you don't look comfortable up there, man. And I go, dude, I don't feel comfortable. Or he goes, you don't look good up there, man. I go, I don't feel good. And he goes, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> something something along those lines. And I was like, yeah, man, I don't, I don't feel good, dude. And he's like, okay. He goes, well, try this. And he had me play, I think he just had me play root notes, quarter notes, just playing through the blues, just playing ones and fours and fives and just playing through the quarter notes at the time, which yeah. is so funny to look back on. I this whole that story is coming back to me as you're telling it. Even like it's becoming more vivid. Oh, dude, I'll never forget this. I'll never, never forget that night because, um, you know, yeah, that was not the coolest thing to play, but he knew exactly what to tell me to play to get through that gig. And he not for a second made me feel bad about it. Not for a fucking second. Like that's a good teacher. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he knew what the situation was. He assessed it. He knew how to turn it into something, positive and into a, a, an experience that I could get through and and learn from and just be a, he, he didn't like he didn't get on me it. he didn't approach it from what the situation should have been exactly. he approached it from what it was yeah and and not for a second did he make me feel guilty for not being able to be be more than what I was in that moment and I think I think about that all the time actually um I mean not all the time but yeah, that's a very big part of the learning experience in my musical life was that's a that was like a a, I don't know like a crossroads for me as far as 
something happened that night. And I, was, I told myself I would never have that happen again. And I practiced my ass off after that. That's like, wow. I think after that night, that's when in my life, the real practicing began. That's when I really started sitting in a room for five to eight hours a day. You know, I would have those days where I'm just, that's all I did was just practice all day. No, I'm really glad I was there. And <laughs> I was a third of the group. That was your shittiest gig ever. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're lucky you got to see that shit, dude. I can't yeah. believe, you know, and what's, oh, I remember being so embarrassed too, because you remember one of the, um, uh, one of the DJs from Kuvo was announcing for us that night. And I oh. remember being so embarrassed in front of him. Like, I can't believe one of these jazz radio dudes Eric is Tro. Eric Tro. That's who it was. Yeah. He said the funniest thing ever. About me? I hope not. No. No, okay. And he was introducing the songs because he also had a roster of uh, a set list. And one of the songs we played Mm -hmm. was an arrangement I'd written of a Nirvana tune. Uh, Da, 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 uh, da, da, da. F, 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 B, B, B. uh, hey, uh, I got a new complaint. Heart in a box? Yeah. Heart shaped box? Heart, heart, heart in a box. Oh, my oh, gosh. Geez. We, you can tell we're both huge Nirvana fans out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I went through a phase. This has been a while. Yeah. And uh, we did an arrangement of heart shaped box that was a little out. I remember that. And yeah. fun. Yep. Um, and he said, I don't know that everybody in the audience caught it, but he said, uh, he announced our set list. And then he said, I think everybody in this group was in utero when that album came out. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Wow. It's it was it was uh it was good commentary. So he was great. He was a nice guy. He was he was very sweet. I don't think he I don't think he uh I hope he had the same mentality as Peter Stoltzman. Kate cared about the quality <laughs> of chess that night. Oh man. I, I'll just that was just a, the the biggest learning experience uh for me as a musician uh, ever. I mean, I've had a lot of, I have some other milestones as far as learning experiences, but that one changed my life. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. So oh, that's, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. It's kind of crazy, man. Hey, thank you so much for listening. We're going to take a very short break. You're listening to Middle Class Rockstar. I want to say a quick shout out to PQ Mastering. Patrick at PQ Mastering puts all the finishing touches on this podcast. For any of your audio or restoration needs, go to www.pqmastering.com. Let's get back to the interview. So you're out of school, or or, or maybe not yet, but <laughs> but you've gone through your practice phase and or you're going through it. Yeah. Um, we've heard about your upbringing. You start getting into some bands. Yeah. So what 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 happened? Oh man. Tell us about some failed bands. <sighs> Well, actually, can I, I'll just start off with this. I know this is, uh, this isn't college or the actual studying period yet. I was in a band in high school. We were a ska band and we did the talent show and that was a fun time. We were called junk in the trunk <laughs> and I think I just need to get that out of the way. So, okay. We got that out of the way. That was a good time. <laughs> Nothing else about them. Shout out to those dudes. Well, you know, it's high school, man. It was a fun time, but it's, it's high school. Cause I was in marching band and there was a lot of marching band kids. Well, I played guitar. Ska? and well, because I, mean, I mean, how else are you going to put horns into a band? You're right. I mean, there's other ways, I think, but in high school, that's the that's when you're, the way. When you're 30, there's other ways. When yeah. you're 17, <laughs> there's not. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. So, no, that was a fun time. But, uh, you know, when I finally got into, like, getting into band life, I remember, actually, I met this guy 
um, we met at a bar and he was like, oh, I play, you know, whatever. So, um, played some guitar. We ended up, he was like, come jam, you know, cause I was with a buddy who played at the time and he, he played. And so we got together and, um, actually just him and I, but not with all of our friends who were with us in our respective parties, but, um, got together and jammed. We had a good time. And, um, anyways, he ended up inviting me to come play with his band and I played bass with them. And this band was called 32 Bandit. 32 Bandit at the time. Okay. And uh, played uh, a handful of shows with them, actually. Yeah. And it was like, uh, we played the Gothic, I remember. That was like one of the biggest, we had, or not headline, sorry. We opened up for a Gothic show. Who'd you open for? Uh, Carmel Carmela. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, the guy, uh, Jack Roberts. Jack, yeah. Who's uh-huh. mixing and mastering. Uh, my two records that we just sent to him. No shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I didn't know he's band. working with you, or you're working with him. Yeah, uh, uh, he's awesome. That's amazing. And um, I worked with the guitar player at Wahoo's Fish Taco in high school. <laughs> Love that band. That's awesome, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, we played with them, and um, I didn't really like. I wasn't so engulfed in like the scene at that time that I really ever even talked to them. I think, um, but I remember seeing Jack in school and stuff. So. Wow. Uh, but and I don't think we've ever even spoken. But shout out Jack, what's up? Let's say say hey man. What up Jack? Let's go get some coffee. Um. Anyways, uh, played in that group thirty two bandit and uh, it was it was what it was. Um. And then during that same time, I actually got offered to play in a band called Sundown Social. So my buddy Mark Mark Robertson from uh, now that's a band name. Yeah, he was from uh, Wyoming. Him and I met in college at Wyoming. Okay, uh, we were in the. This is a little, a little tidbit, fun trivia about me. I was in a fraternity, and uh, we really? were, and he was my big brother in the fraternity. Um, so, so did you have to, you know, drink? <laughs> <laughs> did I have to do anything weird? Yeah, I had, we had, we didn't have anything too crazy, you know. But I had, some, I have some stories, but I don't. There's nothing like too, and, and, uh, you know. <laughs> there's some there's some stuff that went down. Of Seth course. is an open book, but we're gonna skip that chapter for now. Hey, what's what happens in the fraternity stays in the fraternity. Yep. yep. No, no, no. Yeah, no, that's I don't know. It's not it's nothing worth really sharing. Um it yeah. really isn't that exciting. So but anyways, he was my big brother in fraternity and uh, him and I have just been great friends for years. But uh, at that time, he was started playing in this band called Sundown Social. He was playing drums, and they needed a guitar player. And so I started playing guitar in that band. Um, and I only played guitar with them for like a couple months, I think. Um, and that was at the same time as I was playing bass for 32 Bandit. And anyways, uh, 32 Bandit kind of ended. Uh, we had some things going on, but a couple of the members, like a few of us, we still wanted to, we were going to be a band and I had another drummer who I wanted to bring on board. And so we got this other drummer in, uh, Donnie, Donnie Schreiber. What's up, Donnie? Old time friend from we high school. We need to tag every, this is the, dude, ep- I know I, this is the, the 25th episode or something. And I have not said so many names or had the guests say so many different names yeah. before. We need to well, tag you know, everybody. I think, I think it's important to, I don't know. These are all friends of mine through the years and who, I mean, I, I owe it to every single one of these people who I, I, I name that, you know, these are people that were a part of my musical journey. Really? Yeah, they really were. So, um, anyways, we added him into the group. We have this group. Uh, we end up calling it uh, Via Vera. So, and we were writing our own music at the time. And um, did was, you ever play Broomstock? 
I played Broomstock once with that group. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but we create. I have a. I have a. That story is messed up. It's like we we ended up having to do an acoustic set because um, we didn't have all our members there, and um, it was just a dud. But Broomstock at that moment was a dud, anyways. Which I don't think Broomstock even happens anymore. It was it was downhill. You know that festival. Unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, because when I was dude, when I was in late middle school, early high school or through high school, like that was, that was something to look forward to as a kid. Yeah. I remember seeing, you know, uh, what, uh, breathe Carolina, um, Texas is on fire. Oh my gosh. Uh, who else was at that festival? There was there were some bigger names that we surely ran into each other at that festival or walked within a ten foot radius of each other. Oh, in we high did. School. We had to have. Yep, yep. But it, yeah, d- didn't play it till uh, college or even yeah post college. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, it's unfortunate that festival doesn't happen anymore because it was a. Uh, I think for kids, it was one of the coolest community built festivals that could have happened. Absolutely. Um, so, anyways. Um, that band, though, when Via Vera started, I had ended up leaving Sundown Social, which was kind of a bummer. That was a cool group and uh, good friends with all those guys still, and, um, or at least like good terms, you know, like never never hard feelings. And actually, um, one of the singers in that group, uh, Lindsay, Lindsay Smith, what's up? Shout out. She's uh, at Smitty on 93.3. Um, she sang in that group. Really? Yeah. So we um, we were in that band together and or I, was, I got to be in her band really is what it was. And that was a cool experience. And so we've known each other for a while, which is um, now being in the scene still <laughs> is kind of cool to still have that relationship. And um, yeah, she's great. So, and her whole family is awesome too. Her and Nikki and shout out to all those people. Okay. We're just going to shout out, keep shouting out people. Just, just shout them out. Um, but anyways, Via Vera happened. Um, so I left that group and, and was just kind of strictly doing Via Vera and that, after that failed broomstock show um that band fell apart um and i was only doing music at school really after that for a little bit until seeger who we had mentioned earlier we had played in trios with yep he um you know had asked me he had this band called montana topwater um that they needed a bass player and after meeting me in trios, he goes, later on in that year, he had met me, what, like right, or during spring semester. And then that fall semester, that we, that was after you had graduated. But yeah, um, he had asked me to be a part of this band. And so I came and was a part of it. And so that's where I got to know all those guys really well, which was awesome because not not just out of the experience of, of uh, you know, getting to play music with, like in the scene and getting to uh, gig I guess that was the first like really like we're gigging, you know, because I had gigged with the other groups, but this was like the first band. It was like, we're gigging. We're doing some gigs. Yeah. Um, But also because, you know, I got to grow up with all of those guys in the in my college program. You know, all those all those kids I got to uh, just go through college with, which was really cool. So it was cool to meet them and get to experience that with. And um, through the years, we've all just been I've just been friends with all those guys, you know, we've all been friends and uh yeah, everyone still plays, <laughs> which is cool. Yeah, everyone's doing something, and uh, yeah, I, I, you see these people around. Seeger lives with uh, my very, very good friend and guitar player in my band, Andrew's girlfriend. Yeah, you know, our yeah. circles are so incestuous, Seth. Well, it, the Denver scene is, you yeah. know, that's yeah, kind of how right. it is. Yeah, so. you're right. Um, and especially the CU Denver scene, you know, that's mm-hmm. even even more specifically. Like if you go to school, CU Denver. That's right. Um, at least in our era. Um, so yeah, anyways, so 
that band happens. We're gigging, and uh, our singer Emma she ends up leaving. And at that point, we had thought maybe we were going to jo- do another band. We had we had like one gig together as as this new group, and to keep on going. And I mean, you know, things fall apart when singers leave. You know, that's kind of the yeah. It's just how it goes. You sure. know, that's like kind of it is what it is. Uh, so, anyways, we that band kind of fizzled but um at the same time as that fizzle there was another band called red fox run oh that needed a bass player good and it just so happens it just so happens (laughs) that emma who had just left montana Tapwater, her boyfriend was uh auditioning for drums for red fox run boyfriend caleb I know, I know. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so anyways, and through that, you know, the, uh, it, my name got brought up because it was like, oh, hey, I was, you know, this guy who's just in a band, you know, and he's probably needing a gig. So uh, I got hit up by Red Fox Run to come audition uh, and did. And Caleb and I had auditioned within, I think, one week of each other. And we both got in and... From that point on, that was that was the band. That was like the career for me. You know, uh, I was still Run. Red Fox Run. Yeah, I was uh, you know in school at the time, still still pursuing bass and jazz bass. And what year was this? And who all was in the band? Oh shit! Um, twenty fourteen, twenty fourteen, and it was um, the singer was Daniel. Um, and then Josh on guitar, Caleb on drums, and me on bass. It was just a four-piece. Uh, okay, so I'm starting to, in, in case we can't see the through the <laughs> blinders here, this is the beginning of the formation of Wilderness. You know, there. this is, this is uh, dicey for me as far as explaining this because, you know, from an outside perspective, yeah, I guess it, it definitely is the first forming of Wilderness. But here's here's how I would put it. I, I don't know if it's that. I think it's the formation of of us all becoming really good friends. You know, um, it was a it was a moment where, or it was a period of time where we got to really figure out how, especially for us in Red Fox Run and and, and Emma too, because Emma was along for a lot of the. Red Fox Run happenings because she was dating Caleb at the time. Mm. And they're married now, by the way, for everyone who's listening. But, right. um, you know, she was around for it all too. And, and it was a time where we got to really figure out how the industry worked in a bigger way and how to gig more, what it meant to be in a real band, I think. You know, we were, we were very serious about it. Um, and through that, though, not only learning about the industry, we learned how to work together too and how to be a band um and really just became really great friends all of us you know um so you know from an outside perspective yeah that's like oh yeah it's the beginning of wilderness but it's not that doesn't really have anything to do with musically with that necessarily rather than just forming relationships you know it just really helped us become closer um as individuals so Mm -hmm. anyways Spent what? What was that? Like two years? Almost two years with that band, which that band had already been going on for a while. Um, since like what, 2011, I think Josh had told me. 2011, 2012, 2011, I think they had been going since. So they were already a band for like four or five years before we had joined, or three years, sorry, that'd be three years if we were 2013, three or four years. And then yeah. 
And then uh, after we joined, you know, that was a couple years later after that. And then, you know, of course, that singer leaves that group. And, uh, you know, shit happens, man. Life happens. Um, yeah. That was pretty devastating for all of us, though. That was really... When the singer <laughs> left the group. Man, that was... Because, uh, you know, like I said, that was a serious group. That was the first group that I had really... Um, like had a personal investment in you know um and we all did we all had a personal investment in it mm. and i mean like I, I took other bands seriously but it was like i was just, i was having fun at the time and i didn't really understand uh being a professional musician at the time you know uh, until i was in that band and then and then as you get deeper into it you're like oh this is this is what it means and this is how you do it and you just start to gain experience. I think that's the biggest thing. You just gain experience, and through that experience, you become more invested. Yep. Um, as I'm sure you know, being a professional musician, you know, the deeper you get into it, it's like this is, you know, you feel just a personal investment. So at whatever level and with whatever group you do it with. So, sure. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah, the singer leaves, and gosh, we were all just, we were all pretty devastated as far as, man, what do we do? You know? And... Um, it's funny because in, in interviews and in, in, in original interviews for Wilderness, like the, the first kind of stuff, we talked about Wilderness being like an afterthought, but I mean, I had told the band like pretty much that <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. I told the band that night when our singer, our singer came into the rehearsal and said, I'm leaving the band and, uh, and then he just left. What was it? Uh, was it bitter? Was it a day job? It was bitter. It was bitter. It's okay. Um, okay. it's, it was life. It was life, you know? Yeah. Um, and shit happens, like I said. Um, but it was that I said that night, I said, let's get Emma and let's keep on going. Let's keep making music. And, uh, you know, we weren't at a place where we were ready to do that. Uh, and I realized that I was, I was at a place where I was eager to keep playing music. And I was also at a weird place cause I was going through some weird relational stuff like relationship stuff. Um, and music was a huge outlet for me from that. So for me, it was like, I can't stop playing. Like, let's keep on going. Let's keep making music. Like, I don't know what to do without this. You know, I know I still have college and stuff going on at this time, but man, college doesn't, I mean, you're playing at college, but that doesn't mean anything, you know, like you're, you're learning and you're making friends, but like I, I had made all my college friends. Like I was doing it. I was already doing it. I, I was already doing what I wanted to do. So it was like, what, how do I keep going? You know? And it was, it was a really, man, it was, it was a really emotionally hard time for me going through a bad, uh, relationship experience as well as a band breaking up. And so anyways, I, you know, uh, I had said something about, you know, getting Emma to sing and, uh, that night though, it just wasn't the moment. So, uh, we had taken a break. We, we played our last show, the, a new year's Eve show actually <laughs> in grand junction. And then after that show, we had split off and, uh, I was on course to just keep on doing school and everyone was, you know, some other kids, uh, some of us, let's see, sorry, I'm trying to keep my train of thought here. Caleb was still doing school. Emma was still doing school at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think they were just about to graduate though, but I still had like a year left. Um, so, and Josh, um, just took time off from the, from music and, and had started just writing himself and just being, you know, doing things for him. And, and we had all kind of just started doing things musically on our own. But, um, so then that, 
immediately following that breakup, I just like went into high gear of like, how do I play music? Uh, and so I just took every gig opportunity I could. I used social media really heavily posted about every single show I played. I took a GoPro or a camera to every single show, took a screenshot from the, from the video, or I, um, would, uh, you know, take deliberate photos or whatever, but I would document every single show. You still do that. I still do that a lot. I don't do it at every single show now because it's just so much work um, these days. But uh, that taught me a lot about how <laughs> the power of social media, man. It's it's huge. Yeah, I got a lot of gigs doing that, including uh, yours. I think maybe maybe I didn't get it directly from that. Do I think it was remember, probably more word of mouth. Um, do you but, remember yeah. how? you ended up in my band or how any of I, you and Troy and Luke ended up in the band. I, I remember, I remember our first gig together, um, was just you, me and Troy. Where was it? I'm so, I off. passed it today. I literally parked right next to it right before I came here. It was at Getty Lee's. Um, what? Oh, Gary Lee's. Gary Lee's. I'm sorry. Not Getty Lee's. Gary Lee's. Getty Lee's. Oh my God. <laughs> Gary Lee's. Yeah, it was at yeah. Gary Lee's and, um, you had forgotten a power cable to something. So instead of plugging in my bass amp, I plugged straight into the PA. Couldn't hear myself, had no monitor. I had come to your house for a small, we had gotten together and got on the piano together and played a couple tunes and ran through your charts right before that gig. And then we headed there together and met Troy. So this was 2017. This is 2015. Or wait. Fuck, I have an awful memory. It would have no. Been, it was 2016. It, it was 2016. 2016 because it you was. started touring with the band in 2017. Yes. 2016. 2017. No, late 2016. Yeah. Yeah. Late yep. 2016. So 2016 is when um, not only was I I was playing with a bunch of different bands and, and freelancing earlier that year, and then I and then we got connected, and then I started playing heavily with you. Yes. And that was our first gig together. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And then you recommended Luke Maxson. What up, Luke? <laughs> what up, Luke? And then Luke needed a place to live, and he moved in. Yeah. Uh, here. Yeah, man. And and then moved out fairly recently. Yeah. But we were roommates for several years. And Luke and I still play together in my jazz group, Gold Joy. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, that's and we teach together. So it, it it's yeah, uh, <laughs> it's all still there. And that and uh, yeah. I don't even want to go into this too much, but that band was a lot of fun for me. I remember that was the first time where I thought I had a band. Yeah. <laughs> 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 don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. Well, you could tell me that, but that was, was a, that was a blast. That was a fun time, and I thought all of us really, um, God, we had a blast together, man. We, we really gelled. connected. It was the four of us really had a good time together, and you, you and you and I hit it off very well. I yeah. think we became good buds. We just had a lot. I feel like we had a lot in common. Yeah. Of whatever for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, I felt that way about everyone, and we got some good gigs, and we did a whole lot of shitty gigs. Yeah, we toured together. Pointless Went touring. all over this freaking country. Yeah. Or the West Coast, at least, you know? It was fun. It was fun. Um, it was the first time where I thought, okay, this is a, yeah. this is a band. We did a record together. Yeah, yeah, um, did a record together, yeah. And, and now I look back at it as a fond memory, um, but it wasn't the right thing. It was the right thing at, th at that time. It was, yeah. Um, but then... Uh, that band sort of fizzled because you quit it. Well, so so at the <laughs> hold on, we need to we need to back up just yeah, a okay, sec because okay. because I was playing with, with your band at the same time. Wilderness was just forming, so this is this is the new group 
And I remember post, you you uh, were Red talking Fox about run. wilderness all the time and sharing things with us, yeah. and, and it was awesome. It was a big deal. It was a, well, for for you know, for me, it's always that group, and for all four of us who are in that group, uh, Josh, Emma, Caleb, and myself, it's it's always been a serious thing for us. It's always been something that we have just really poured our hearts into. Yeah. Uh, so. You know, I didn't. I didn't mean to uh, <laughs> just always talk about that with you in your band, but it just, uh, you know, it was it was a big deal to us at the time. Uh, so that was kind of going on at the same time that we had been playing together, and mm-hmm. especially that band had really started putting our foot down and taking off. You know, like mm, taking flight uh, right when we started touring together. Right. Right. So that kind of all coincided and happened together um but yeah <laughs> i know you wanted to ask me about the uh about why i left your band in <laughs> yeah well it was it was fun we did it we did it for a few months Can um i, I, I kind of want to I, I do want to tell the story because yeah, there is a story please, behind it go for it um and for the listeners who don't know so you know uh we ended probably not on the greatest of terms um, and that was definitely due to me. So again, I apologize, Andy. That was, I've, I know we've already spoken, uh, briefly about it, but sure. Uh, so the story, um, wilderness was kind of doing our thing. You know, uh, we were, uh, we had just started gigging and we were, uh, releasing a single and we were getting ready to go into the studio to record our second single, which was carry your heart which turns out to be the first heavy hitter of uh, our band, you yeah. know, and, and that song really took off and, and helped us become what we are right? in a big way. And I didn't know that was going to be it at the time. I was just having fun with the band. Um, but I remember, I remember before we had gone into the studio together, we were already kind of butting heads a little bit creatively, but aside, even aside from that, just, you know, I, I've, grown to figure this out about myself especially after that situation where i realized that i'm the kind of person where if i'm creatively involved in something um like i really have to i don't know i have to vocalize my opinions and i i can be very opinionated and i can be harsh about it and um i don't not that i mean to be but it's um you know i have some strong opinions creatively sometimes and I think it was hard for me as a really a hired gun because it was the Andy Sido band. It wasn't right. It wasn't a name. It was it was your band. You right. know what I'm saying. And I'd so been anything doing it for a long time before, and was going to do it for a long time after. Oh, totally. And it was always going to be your name. It was never going to be like my name wasn't a part of it. But regardless, for whatever reason, you know, uh, it was hard for me to be a part of something and creative and not give my creative input you know and that uh, I still I know that more about myself now um that I you know I I can separate the two a little bit more uh of being a hired gun versus what it means to actually you know have your opinions like when when it's time to give your opinion and when it's not (laughs) well and something that I realized now that I didn't that I didn't at the time and I think I've become a, a much much better band leader uh, mm. since then 
I can tell you all the ways not to be a good band leader. And it's and it's it's tough to figure yeah. out. It's trial and error. And I always wanted to be yeah. Andy Sido as opposed to a band because simply because that's what I grew up listening to. I grew up totally. listening to names. Eric Clapton, yeah. Jackie Green, Anders Osborne, JJ Gray, Warren Zevon. I I just for whatever reason my personality latched on to to the name. To a person. Yeah, um, and uh-huh. I wanted to know all about that person, mm, yeah, and that yeah. was just how I grew up. I would I would read about that person, and and so I think when I started writing songs, I just it didn't even occur to me to start the White Wall Woodstocks. I just made up that band <laughs> name, and that's why that's another good reason why I don't have yeah. a band. Um, no, but I mean we were we were playing your songs, dude, and yeah. even the record we recorded was your music right you know but i do remember i remember specifically like wanting to go with certain people for that record or wanting to go a certain direction as far as recording and um i had i had opinions about the whole process and and i you know i understand now that like there's a there's a time to give an appropriate recommendation but it wasn't it wasn't in my control well and 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 as i as i was kind of saying i i've realized to appreciate that aspect in people now um it's hard it's hard to let go of of control mm. it's hard to outsource oh totally even when you need to and i've got i've oh, gotten yeah. a lot better about it and it's still something i struggle with um dude it's your baby though man it's your, your baby band's your baby and it's, your music's your baby it's hard to hand it off it's yeah. hard to hand it off but i'm doing it i'm doing a better job of getting good at as many different things as possible and knowing when to outsource and knowing when to take good opinions. And I I appreciate people like you more now than I did then because the fact that you cared so much means that you wanted the best thing for the music. You weren't recommending certain people and we we went with your engineer. Mm -hmm. I know um, you weren't recommending certain people to drive my project into the ground, Mm -hmm. you know, because, um, that that would have been really cruel, <laughs> but but you, yeah. you weren't doing that. You were doing it because you cared, and and uh, I just know, yeah. I, I don't think I think if it happened all over again a few years later, it wouldn't have gone like that. But I was no, I yeah. was young and and dumb, and you had another thing going on, and and we've yeah. both learned a lot and grown up. We both, um, yeah, absolutely. And I'm and I'm I couldn't be happier that it's worked out the way it has. I mean, yeah. it's it's incredible. I remember our first day in the studio, we were getting ready to track songs and I got upset with you because you were, we were just about to go in and I'd been working on these songs for six months, a year, two years, three years. And you were going through fiddling with lyrics. Mm, yeah. And, and honestly now different story. Now, before we go into the studio, it, you know, I'd say, does anybody have any, you know, problem with any of the <laughs> lyrics? And we'd sit down and hash it out. We demo everything in the basement before we go into the studio now. It's yeah, a demos, totally different Demos, band. man. That's, yeah. And I've learned that even, not even just with you, but with anybody, with, uh, other bands. You know, it's just like, that's you, a huge part of the process. You should not wonder how fast the song is going to be before you get to the studio. Nope. You should know. Um, you yep. should know where it changes. You should have all that in- information, the engineer and producer, if you have yeah. one ahead of time. But I remember for both of us, yeah, getting upset because I was like, "You're like, yeah, that's just kind of a, I don't know, I don't really like that lyric. It's just kind of like, uh. and I remember just being like, man, we're about to record this, song. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I yeah. shouldn't have taken it so personal. And, and I appreciate all uh, the feedback. I actually specifically remember that moment as well. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I brought, Reasons for departure. I felt I felt bad that um, I brought that up. So uh, like that was not the right time to bring that up either. Like because I, I already knew, first of all, it wasn't even it's not my song. It's it's your it's your name. It's your band. And we're in the studio and we're getting ready to do it. That was not the time to do it. I should have done that. I would already been playing with you. I should have already been saying something. Let's about go it get a really burrito and like sit it. down with the lyrics. Yeah, and, you know, or whatever. whatever but yeah. yeah, but even even regardless, it, it you know, like I said, it was your name and your band, and um, you know, I have a, I I'm a lot better at being able to uh, separate the two now. You know, yeah. at the time I was like, well, if I'm going to be creatively involved in something, I feel invested. When you have something that that is your baby now, yeah, with with three other parents. Well, more than that, you've got your team with six other parents. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's it's probably in other projects maybe a little easier to disconnect in some regard. I think this is the difference um, with Wilderness. This is the this is the big group now. You know, um, is from the very first day of that band, we sat down and said, what does this mean to everyone? And everyone said, it's our careers and is everyone equally invested? Okay. So first of all, everyone's on the same page as far as commitment. But on top of that, when we go, when it comes to writing, you know, it's a situation where everything was so fresh. Everyone has a hand on writing from the get go. And not only that, because I know in our situation, you, you had these songs already. Um, but with this band, it's 25% writing credit, no matter what, no matter what, mm-hmm. like we all are equally because uh, a four way split really, you know, sure. and, and I feel like I feel comfortable saying that because like that's I think that's the most fair way to do it when you're in a band uh, and we all do, you know, like that's in, in that regards, we're able to sit in a room together. And any one of us can either bring up something or veto something and it's no harm, no foul. Like no egos, no egos are, are driven by this is my song or this is your, or this is, I want this specific part in it or I want this kind of say. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't fucking matter. And really like, it doesn't. Like the song is going to tell you what it needs. Like it, ultimately it really will. Yeah. And it's all about serving the music. It's not about serving your ego. And um, I don't mean to say that maybe I was serving my ego with your music. I, you know, but like I said, I think that was a situation where I just had a hard time like shutting my mouth about my creative input. Cause I just, I just always have creative input, but it, it helps to have a, a, an outlet now where we're all able to give our creative input, yeah. whether it's positive or negative. And it doesn't matter because ultimately the song is going to be the best it's going to be. And you it's going to be, it's going to be a four. Everybody wants the best for the song. Yeah. And yeah. even if their opinion, you think their opinion is stupid Right, or, or whatever. You try it out. You try it out because nobody is suggesting something to make the song worse. Yep. And and it seems so simple when you say it out loud. It's but, tough, though. But it's tough. It's tough, yeah. It's tough. And and, and I think now as a band leader, I, you know, I've got a couple of people now who are very, very opinionated, and I welcome it, you know? I, mm. I say, okay, you want to try it six clicks slower? Let's do it. Yeah. And then you go back and look at some of those things after we've recorded them, and went, man, if this was six clicks faster, like I insisted on, it wouldn't be the song it is. Yeah. And it's good stuff. And, and another thing, too, in regards to our relationship is I think I'm very grateful for the time we had and that we're still great friends. Yeah. And above every, above everything, anybody that I've played with, anybody that I'm friends with, I want the best for them. And you don't want 
anybody on your team that doesn't 100% want to be there. Absolutely. And that's, it's just true. And there's no reason, there's no reason to, to curse them or anything. It's just, everybody has their own agenda. Everybody has their own passion and things that they want to do. And if honestly, now I say, you know, with, with band members that I see maybe are way more into something else or whatever, I encourage it. I say, dude, you should go do that because you're spending time on my project that you could be spending on that, and that's where your energy is. Please yeah. go do that. You want people to be to want to be there. It's because it, it's it's not fair to me. It's not fair to you. Yep. Period. I agree. I agree. I will say the way I left was not kosher. It was not cool. <laughs> <laughs> we did. We had a gig in Nebraska the next day. <laughs> uh like a couple days. Yeah. So it, it was a Friday night. Listen, the gig was on Sunday. I'll tell I you this. I'll, this is the part of the story I did want to mention because I don't think I've ever mentioned this part to you. Because um, we had gotten done recording that record together. You know that weekend. We spent a weekend in the studio all day, every day. Man, I remember that was a long weekend. We, we had really, we spent some time in the studio, dude. Yep. We, we had worked hard. We worked yep, really hard. We did. Um, and the two days immediately following the time that we spent in the studio, I spent the whole next two days recording just, what the time that we spent to, to record that record, I spent recording one song with Wilderness in the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, and because uh, we had just, we were hashing things out with that one and really, you know, dialing things in and we took our time and, and, and I shouldn't say it was an all day, two day endeavor. Maybe it was like, I think we probably spent like five or five to eight hours a day, you know, each day or whatever. I can't remember, but that was carry your heart, man. And I remember having that experience playing with them in the studio right after I'd played in the studio with you. And for whatever reason, just creatively, I had woken up the next day after that, after being in the studio with the band and I, I knew I was like, this is the band. This is, this is where I need to be and what I need to spend my time on. And I think I did a really bad job of, uh, of breaking that to you because, because for me it was just like, Hey man, I called, I remember calling you up and just saying, man, I need to, I need to walk away from this. I need to step away. And, uh, and I remember you being upset cause we had a, a short weekend tour coming up and I was like, I'm sorry, man, I can't do it. Yeah. Like I had, I had to leave. I felt like that was a moment in life where I felt a very strong conviction. Like, you know, sometimes you don't, you, you go through life and you have decisions to make. And sometimes you don't always know what, what's right or wrong and what you really want. You don't know what you really want, but that was a moment where I felt a strong, I felt convicted. I was like, I know, I know the right path. Yeah. And I, I chose that path. And, um, I'm very sorry for how, for how I had left, dude. Because man, that was know. not a good. I was just like at that time, bad timing all across the board. <laughs> Listen, when you you have friends turning left and you have friends turning right, yep. if you know in your heart that you need to turn right, you cannot think about it. It sucks to say yeah. you cannot think about the people down the left lane. Yeah, you know, you just gotta you gotta do it, and and and. And, uh, well, here's the thing too. Here's the, here's the, yeah. the next flip side of that is, you know, um, I never, I never thought poorly of you. Um, obviously, duh, we're sitting here right now. Yeah. Um, uh, but, uh, and I knew that was really shitty of me regardless of, uh, what I just had to do. But moving forward from that, I do remember getting the call for a, a church gig. Um, yeah. and that call for a church gig came with, uh, the question of, do you know any piano players? And you were the first name. You were literally the first name I gave. 
And I remember you actually played that church gig before I ever got to play. Yes. <laughs> and I remember she must have been hurting to take recommendations from people that hadn't played the gig no. yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's you know just it's it's crazy how it all works out, I guess. And in thinking about that, I remember thinking like, I wonder how that's. I wonder if we're gonna have to play together. And I also wonder how that's gonna look. And it's always been positive, and I'm very thankful for that. It's all, I wondered the exact same thing, and I wondered if you did, which is why I didn't ever bring it up. Uh, I And I remember Gina giving me the call and saying, oh, you're recommended by Seth, and I went. I, for, in oh, my yeah? Head, I was like, I remember exactly where I was on I-25 South getting the yeah. phone call, <laughs> and uh, I yeah. remember the conversation very well that I had with her, and I remember thinking, really? Yeah. Um, and I, I, so I didn't even expect you to be there at first. Um, mm-hmm. And then I remember the first week you were there going, is this going to be weird? And it just wasn't. It never was. It just never was. What we the just, hell? I think a couple of years had gone by and we were both just cool. And uh, yeah. we're doing our own thing. And it's funny. And for the listeners, we have never talked about this until now. Literally until this a- second. And I've had many moments where I'm like, should I just sit down with Seth? We've even gone out to lunch together yeah. several times. And I've, I've thought like, should I just bring this up? Yeah. Um, and I... I didn't know it would get brought up to this extent on the podcast either. And I'm really glad it has. And, and even though there's been no hard feelings for a long, long time, I feel a, a weight lifted off my shoulders that we've talked about. It yeah. Now. Likewise. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's such a guy thing. I feel too. guys, yeah. will, guys will do that. Guys will just like, they'll, they'll put things to rest. You know, we're, we're like, all right, we're adults. We're professionals. Like it's, it doesn't matter. Like, yep. you know, but and not that it doesn't matter because it does matter. Uh, but you know, we were, there, I think it just proves really there was never hard feelings or it just wasn't right at the time. And and I always have felt shitty about how I left and Uh, I I appreciate that. (laughs) And I I feel bad too for how I, for how I ran the band. I didn't run a good, uh, a great tour at the time. I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to appropriately pay out people. I didn't know, you know, I where where it all lies, and on the Canada tour, I remember oh, losing yeah. like fifteen hundred bucks on that tour, and just being like, "What am I supposed to do? These guys want more, more money." It, hey, well, that you, one you came learned. after me, I think. Yeah. Can we? Oh, you didn't go on Canada. No, this was right that after was you left. Literally yeah, literally right after. But we had, you know, there's just a lot to learn being, being the boss. Yeah. Right. There's there's so much stuff you got to do, dude. I, I and you know what? To this day. I tell I tell everyone you are one of the hardest working musicians I've ever met. I you are a fucking that. hustler, dude. Like, and I will never forget. I want to tell this story in the podcast because I think it deserves to be in here. I'll never forget. Well, I'll never forget. First of all, going to Bozeman, and the first night that we that we were passing through the first time we go. Yeah, and we end up going to this club, and uh, man, we were just trying to talk to our promoter. And we were just kind of going through town, trying to talk to promoters, trying to see where we could get in. We didn't get into the big one, but we got into another one next door, I remember. Like, to the to the one where, the, you remember seeing Little Smokies, that one? That, like, that yes, big place, whatever that was. we last time we went to town. Oh, see there? See? So now you're in. It was the it was the uh, downstairs venue. Next is the upstairs venue. Well, whatever. But the, you we got, got to, in. So you're, you're, you're <laughs> friends in. with the promoter. Yeah. That's the point, is, like, we went to go just meet promoters and, and you know, uh, try and try and create relationships but i remember uh i remember going into bozeman and we did go into another venue i don't know we we can cut out the other shit i guess but i do remember going to bozeman and talking to a to a venue and and you ended up getting into that venue the next time yep 
And then we went to that venue. And <laughs> you remember the next time we went, it was double booked. Yes. Do you oh, remember that? Yep. <laughs> so we get into that venue. We get into the venue and there's another band setting up. And we're like, yo, what's up? And they're like, hey, yeah, we're the band tonight. Because it was like a house band situation where it was like, you were the band for the evening. And they were the band for the evening. Yep. And you're like, no, we're the band for the evening. And I don't know if it was the owner or the promoter comes out. And um, he... You can cut that out too. He burped. <laughs> he had remember, too much whiskey. I remember he was like, hey, I'm so sorry, whatever. And you're like, "You had t- I think you told him, we need to go talk. And I remember you walked to, you walked to this dude into his own fucking office. Okay. <laughs> you walked this dude into his own office and I'm just like, okay, well, we'll see what goes on. And, and, and Troy and I are just like, well, let's get a drink or something or we'll just hang out for a second. You were in there for a second. I don't, I don't remember how long, but, um, you came back out and you were like, cool, worked it out. We're playing tomorrow night. Cause we were going to play two nights in a row. And it turns out we were just going to play the next night. You go, okay, we're playing tomorrow night. Um, so that's a bummer, whatever. We got tonight off. They're going to play tonight. We're going to play tomorrow. And you go, but we're coming back in the summer and he's paying me double. <laughs> and I remember being like, oh shit, what the fuck? What did you just do? Like, what okay. did you say? Uh, we went in there I and I don't remember the exact numbers, but let's say we were supposed to get 400 a night. I think, it, dude, I think it was literally double. It, it was a lot. I remember it being substantially more. Okay, let's say uh, 600 a night. We were supposed to get 600 a night. And I and we had dro- driven out for that gig. Yeah. So to, to get there and have another band be there, yeah. we decided uh, to work it out. He goes, you do one night. He'll, they'll, they'll do tonight because we're already set up. You do tomorrow night. Yeah. Um, And... And he goes, I, I can't give you $1,200. And I said, man, we drove all the way out here for $1,200. I already paid my band. Oh, for the two nights, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and he sat there for a second. He goes, man, I, I guess it's my mistake. This is just going to be hard to do in a month like this. And I said, I'll tell you what. Just give us uh, $600 bucks mm-hmm. for tomorrow night. Book me for your busiest weekend of the year tonight and pay me back the rest of it then. Mm. And he agreed in a heartbeat. Wow. And the next and it was packed the next time. Yeah. That's and I amazing. Wa- I wanna say too, on that night that we had off, we all went drinking around Bozeman. Uh, I think the um, the place that we played gave us free drinks for the night too, because they were just felt bad and that we was did. nice of them. Oh yeah. And we got pretty drunk and I remember We met another band at that same venue that we had gone to. Yep. The other one next door. Yep, and they sat in with us the next night. Yep. Um but at the end of the night, we had Pita Pit. Yeah. Good old, I love Bozeman, and we have so many homies there now. I just love yeah. talking about Bozeman. <laughs> uh, I was behind the venue, and I don't know what I was doing. I didn't know if I was doing anything wrong. Maybe I yelled an F-bomb or something, but it was 2 a.m., and we were all just behind the bar. But you guys were a little bit behind. I was just power walking or something, and a cop oh yells, Oh, my hey, gosh, this night. Stop. Oh, and, no. and I decided to pretend like I didn't hear him. So I just turned around and started quickly walking the other way to get back to the crowd. I remember I remember the reason why he wanted you to stop, though. Oh, uh, okay. Well, I think 
Yeah. Well, later on, yes. At the time, I didn't know. Yeah. And so I started quickly walking away from the cop, and he ran after yep. me, and the pita pit dropped out of my hand. He grabbed that. me. Yeah. And you know what? He was probably our age. Yeah, um, he was super young. I remember thinking he was. He was. Yeah. Uh, he thought he was hot shit, though. He did. He really did. You know. And Montana and this police, is yeah, one of my favorite on. Seth stories. He asked oh. for my ID, <laughs> and I've accept. He sits me down on his car. Um, and I've accepted that I'm going to get arrested and I'm, uh, and, and I am, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to get put in the back of the car <laughs> and I've, and I was weirdly at peace with it. Yeah. Um, I just said, okay, this is what's going to happen. This is going to cost me a thousand dollars. This is going to suck. And I'm just going to get done with it. And you walk around the corner yeah. and you see what's going on. And you walked up to him yelling and you said, sir, what is, what is the meaning of this? Yeah. I was like, what's going on? And you said, this young man has never even had a parking ticket. What are you taking him to jail for? <laughs> and uh, he, he, you guys talked it out, and he came over and said that, uh, that I could go and just be safe for the rest of the night, and I felt very thankful. And then on top of that, yeah. the reason why he had, he had uh, taken me into partial custody was because there was a public urinator, and I looked like him. Yes. And I don't think it was me. You had looked like him and you had yelled something. And I think it was to us because we weren't next to you. Yeah. But you had yelled something and he thought that you were being, you know, whatever. You were yelling and it was in public. And it was like, I, dude, we're at, we're, I've never this is the bar scene cop, in, yeah. in Bozeman where like the only people around are the people at the bars right now. Like, come on, bro. But I remember going up to him and being like, dude, like, what's going on? Like, that's my friend. We're not from here. Like we're all in this together. You need to help. You need to tell me what's going on with my friend. I go. This is not a bad kid. You need to tell me what's going on right now yep. because we're all in. Like we're all responsible we're all for this. We're all like. I need to. I need to know. I need to know what's going on. Do with you him. remember? And he yelled at me. I remember he yelled at me. He said, "You don't interfere with police business or something like that." And I was like, "No, that's my friend. You need to keep me updated with what's happening right now because I need to." I need to be aware of the situation. Right. And he goes, you wait right there. I said, yes, sir. I'll wait right here. You but you polite. need to keep me, you need to keep me updated. And, and uh, I think the straw that broke the camel's back is there was a guy holding a PBR tall boy drinking it, who was cursing at the cop. Yeah. And he was paying more attention to me than that guy. And I was cooperating. I was what sitting a wild there. night. Oh it my gosh. Wild. But I remember too. And this is one of my, uh, that was one of my favorite Seth moments compounded with the fact that we got back to the <laughs> Royal seven motel. Oh man. And yeah. You called. No, it wasn't me. It was Troy. It was Troy. Troy called, and I remember Troy being like, he got into it, dude. Troy, Troy did the call. Oh my god! Because I remember okay, we, we were all like, to Troy, then. Troy, yeah, props to Troy. I remember we were all like, dude, don't, don't worry about it. He's like, no, I'm gonna call and complain. Yeah, and he did, and he called and, and complained. And of course, no disrespect yeah. to cops, he was just doing his job. But we uh, felt slighted that night. I had done nothing wrong, and I was sitting in a cop car. So yeah, I was really thankful. Uh, that you came around the corner. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, man. We were all in that together. I mean, like, that's what you do when you're on the road and when, when you're with friends, you know, is like you take care of each other. And I think that's uh, that's important, you know? To all the young youngins out there. Yeah, serious. Yeah. Well, and just a, a closing comment on that, because we've spent way too much time talking about that band. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I appreciate everything you brought to the group, and I'm super yeah. happy we did. We, that we still hang out once a week. Yeah. We get lunch. You're doing my music video. Um, yeah. You did my promo photos. You're a great yeah. photographer. 
Um, I give your name to everybody that I can. Thanks, dude. Yeah, you've been hooking it up. And I just appreciate uh, the relationship. So thanks for everything. Yeah, cheers, man. Yeah, cheers. the love is mutual. Right yeah. on. Well, let's get into important shit. Yeah. <laughs> now um, that we've spent, what is this, two and a half hours? Uh... Well, it starts on hour one, just an hour and a half. Oh, hour and a half. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> um, but you brought the bottle of Maker's Mark, so time goes away. <laughs> hey, I, I know. I, I did say I wanted to have some drinks and just hang, so I'm, gl- I'm glad we get to do it. doing this. Yeah. So wilderness, wilderness. Let's talk about it. Yeah. How did uh, how did how did this? You're in it. We've talked about the formation of the group. Yeah. You guys, I think, pretty quickly started gathering a reputation around town. What sets your band apart from the hundreds of other local bands? And how did you how did you start taking names so fast? Dude, I don't know. <laughs> That's a hard place to begin with. Um, I'll tell you. Like I said earlier, before before we ever played a note of music together, we all we all sat in a room together and in a circle with chairs. I remember this man. And we sat in a room together and we said, What does this band mean to each other? Like or what what does it mean to us? And and everyone said it's our career. We had agreed on where we stand with it and what it's gonna be and you know, I think that right there, I've never heard anybody else say that, man. Never. Everybody in the room. Everyone in the room. Everyone was in the same room, it, and it was just us, and we talked about it, and we figured we we all got on the same page. And, man, that has made all the difference. It really has. Um, I think also what's made the difference is Emma's amazing, and... That's no lie. I think all of us are amazing. We're, we've all been writing songs together for years. And we've, uh, as far as like our friendship, like I said, like we were building friendships for those years. I think that's a huge thing is like, mm-hmm. I think the, the, the relationship between friendship and music, like, like when you have a good friendship with someone and you play music with them, that translates in the music. Like, I think those two go together. Um, so that's a big difference too. Not that I'm saying like all the other bands aren't friends. I think all a lot of other bands are great friends, but that just that's another bonus, you know, another great thing. And uh yeah, man. I don't know. There's something special about this group, about the four of us, that from the get go, I think we all felt it just clicked. Just clicked, man. You know, we've even like we considered adding other members or like getting other, you know, players to play other instruments or cover other parts. And it when it came down to it, we just couldn't see ourselves with anybody else. Like it was just like who could we add? Like if we added anybody, it would change the whole dynamic, you know? And the four of us, there's just something so special about that. Um, so I think it's just uh I don't know when you, when you know, something's honest, you, you, you just stick with it. And that's been a cool thing. I also think the experience that we had with Red Fox run has helped us as far as understanding the industry and how to navigate it a little bit more. Um, I think also having a great, great, great management team, um, especially from the get go shout out to Nate Meese and Joe Richmond. Uh, they have been huge, um, mentors, through this whole process. And how did you get hooked up with two cats like that? Oh, so, um, quickly? so we actually, with Red Fox Run, we had worked with Joe um, 
a little bit on the record that we've released. Um, he had done some production on it. He produced it and, uh, we had done actually some recording with him too, had a very positive experience with him. And so after we recorded our first single with Wilderness, we were like, well, we know what we could do on our own. What could we do with someone else? You know, like what, what's the next step up? And we loved working with Joe. So we're like, let's take it to Joe and see what he can do and and what we could do together. Um, and so that's when we recorded carry your heart. Right. Uh, I think it was either that night after that second night we had gotten done recording or maybe the next day. Um, him and Nate were working together as far as a production company and, uh, called the seldom scene, uh, production. And and they had been talking about wanting to manage a group. They, but that we didn't know that until Nate sat us down, but Nate had emailed us that night and was like, Hey, I heard carry your heart. Joe showed me let's go, let's go get a, a drink or whatever. And Nate and Joe, they both met up with us and were like, Hey, we love what you're doing. Uh, we want to, uh, you know, we want to work with you. And this is like kind of the direction we want to go. And it's so funny because, and everything that they said in that meeting, like Wilderness, we had gotten together before that meeting and we had asked each other, like, what do we expect out of this? What do we expect out of this meeting? Like what, it, you know, we kind of like had a gist of what they were going to get at, like why they were wanting to sit down with us. And, and we were like, what's, what are some things in our list of like, you know, the direction we wanted to go. We wanted to do an EP. We wanted to like, you know, uh, work with, we wanted to work with them at a, at a higher capacity. And so anyways, it just mutually was everything that all of us wanted. So it, it was like, couldn't have been more perfect, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we just started working together forward from there. And both of them were managing us. Um, and Joe had taken a big uh, producer role on that next record on the EP. And from then on the rest is history i don't know (laughs) to put it simply you know you're listening to middle class rock star let's take a quick second to make a shout out to our newest sponsor narrator rf narrator rf offers simple and affordable licensing on exceptional music for sync for example say my buddy seth here is putting together a wedding video for one of his clients that he's doing pictures or video for, and they want an Irish theme. You can go to narratorrf.com and look up Irish and get a handful of songs, and for a small fee, you can license that to be a part of your wedding video. And this can be any genre of music, not just Irish music. That was just a silly little example. Go to narratorrf.com for more information. Now, let's get back to my interview with Seth Beamer. The rest is history. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like, yeah, yeah. The rest just, is history. Uh, I, like I just that. took your line. Um, one thing I want to mention about your band, and I, I certainly don't know the any sort of formula for success, but one thing I've taken away from watching you guys and just watching hundreds of other local bands over the years, as we all have. Um, everybody in the band is really good at something else. There's mm. there's so much that goes into being a musician, and I, I you know, it's, it's easy to go in a million different directions. I got to edit a video. I got to get promo photos. I got to do this. I got to do that. Yeah. I'm going to – you guys know where to outsource, 
and you all have another skill besides the music that you're very good at. And, and for you, it's the video editing and the photos. Yeah. And ev- I think everybody in the band has something like that, right? Yeah, we all... And I'll say even as far as video and photos, everyone's good at that too. Sure. Um, uh, but you're... you're but yeah, you're everyone... You're very good at it. Everyone has like... I think, yeah, this is a very strong thing with us is everyone, we've, we're very good at like delegating things and, and some of that has been deliberate and some of it has been just out of the nature of who we are. And, and like, uh, for instance, like Caleb takes a, care of a lot of emails and a lot of like TMing and, uh, a lot of like the, the management side TMing, sorry for the listeners, like tour managing. Right. Um, he takes care of a lot of like the details as far as the business side in finances. And he's so good about that, which he has been from the get go. And, and that's just how it seems his brain works. He's, he's always been good at that man. And, and I'm very appreciative of that. Uh, you know, that's just an example. We're all, we're all great at all things on our own, but I think the thing that makes us all strong is that we're good at, even though, I'm sorry. Damn, you're I so popular. You're good. You're good. You could you you could go to your settings and say do not disturb, but it's okay. Uh, well, you yeah. should have told me that an no. hour and thirty eight <laughs> minutes ago. So, um, even if like someone can't do something, like if Caleb can't get to an email, or if he can't get to like some finance thing or whatever, like he can always say, "Hey, someone do this," you know, and without question, one of us will go do it. Mm-hmm. You know, or, you know, with Nate managing and, you know, he can help out with those emails a little bit or whatever we need to as far as the business side of things. But, uh, and with anything in general, he's been awesome just period as a manager, you know, um, in like outside of the band and doing his job through management, but also just like internally and helping us get through what we get through. I think the biggest thing is that we're all so equally invested that if one of us doesn't have time to get to something, we can tell someone else to do it or just say, Hey, I need someone else to take care of this and it'll get done. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And not to say that we don't fall short cause we're human and we all fall short sometimes, uh, of whatever, you know, just little things. But, uh, we, it helps that we're all, we all hold each other accountable, you know? Uh, and I think that's a very positive thing with us. Uh, and we don't get mad at each other about it either. You know? Have you guys, have you guys had any big arguments? Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course, dude. I mean, how can you, how can you spend a full work week? Like, I mean, we're, we're doing, this is like a full-time job. Not that we, we don't have, we have other jobs too, but like this is, we spend a full-time job together. Plus then some, we go on tour like all the time together. Like oh, things are going to come up, man. But Respect. We all damn well respect each other. Mm. And I could say that personally. Like, I, I respect every single one of those people, you know? And that's huge, you know? Uh, they can tell me when I'm doing something wrong, and that's okay, you know? Uh, we, we're all allowed to voice how we feel because we're a family, and that's what you do is you you tell people how you feel and you work through it, you know? So, um, that's another thing that makes us great is, and I think why, you know, going back to earlier when we were talking about how, you know, those formative years were really 
forming a relationship with each other. That's what we were forming is the ability to do that. You know, yeah. it's not, it's not just, Oh, you're, you're, you're making a band. It's like, no, we're, we're creating a unit. We're creating uh, a relationship that we can um, count on and that yeah. we can uh, use to uh, fuel this machine of a band, <laughs> you yeah. know, and keep moving forward together and, and learn how to, uh, work with each other, you know, it's taught all of us a lot about, um, not just ourselves, but just working with each other and how to, how to be better people to, to each other. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think, I think you, uh, you said it all right there for people wondering what it takes to be in a band. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. It takes either that or money. <laughs> so if you don't have money, you better treat each other well. <laughs> what do you think? is the biggest mistake you guys have made as a band surely surely you made it oh i like that question yeah. you know i don't think anybody has ever asked us that question I, I like that bam wow andy coming in hot that's right i'm a professional <sighs> let's see the biggest mistake man um You know, as a band or as a team, because as a team, like a greater, you know what I'm saying? Like, like you, you want to know, like, Both. like writing wise or like, like as music wise or like as a business. Both. Because um, I don't know, they both, they're separate and together. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, man. I don't know. This is really hard for me to like really pinpoint this, you know? Like yes. to say, like, what's the biggest mistake? Because, dude, we make mistakes all the time, and we just learn from them, and we keep going, and it's like, this is the situation now, and what do we do? Let's keep going. And, and it's probably a tough question to answer because you all have that exact mindset. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah, we're all just like, okay, where do we go? Let's do this, you know? Yeah. Um, sometimes easier than others, but yeah. Right. I think um, we spent a good portion of our year last year um, – 2018 uh trying to shop some music and impress some people um and to kind of i'll say this and, and we do talk about this as a band where there was a period of time that we weren't recording as much as we knew we should have been um where <clears throat> I don't mean to impress people like it's you know you're always trying to impress people as a band like what else are you doing with your music you're not trying to just make music for yourself which I hate when people say that oh I make music for myself that's not what that's, that's, I mean you do but that's not that's not really what music is for it's a gift for people it's a gift for you know um society sure so but uh you know we were we were kind of just like banking on this music and and it was great music, but we had some other music that we were ready to record and that we had been slowly recording, but we were not proactive enough. We were still proactive. We were getting it done, but we weren't proactive enough in recording it. And I think some opportunities may have fallen through because of it. 
at least it's perceived that way. And I don't know if that's true or not. Like I, I can only, you know, perceive it in a way. And, you know, this has been talked about a little bit, but, you know, that's one of the bigger things I think that we learned through that process was we need to, as a band, we need to constantly be creating. We need to constantly be demoing, recording, releasing. Mm. Yeah. Uh, creating content. You know, it's not, you don't get to make a record. Boom, you're done. It's not, that's not it, man. I mean, like you got to, like cool you made a record what else goes with the record what else are you working on what comes after the record because a year's gonna fly by in the blink of an eye man it's gonna fly by in the blink of an eye and what else do you have to give to the world you know um and that's important you know and what else do you have as a musician other than your music really right what else do you have you, you really don't that's that's who you are that's what you are is your music um yeah. in a big way so I think that was a big learning curve for us last year. And I don't know if that was a big mistake, but I think uh, we learned that we need to be more proactive about that. And we're learning how to be more proactive about that. Which is funny because it's like, <laughs> it's we have no shortage of putting on shows and putting out music, but like to the, to the outside world. But to us, you know, it's, there's more, there's more going on. Push than the, the eye pushing and, the envelope. Yeah. Yeah. Pushing the envelope. Um, musically mistakes have been made. Um, I think the biggest mistakes that we've made is working with people because of their name and not because of their artistic integrity. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, I'm not going to go into it more than that, but I, we've I already tagged say, enough names in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I could, but I can say like, we have learned a big lesson this year as far as, um, like, dude, I don't know, the, the popularity or the name of someone doesn't mean that they will necessarily be the right fit artistically for you, like to work with, to be a part of your team. Uh, and that was huge for us to learn, huge. Mm. You know, we wasted a lot of money doing that, um, which is fine. You got to learn those things, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I feel... Actually, there's a huge sense of relief in learning that because we get to move forward super confidently, you know, like the next thing we do, we're like, okay, we know what we're doing. Mm. We're ready. Like, and that's, I think that's like the biggest thing being in a band period and in, in, in your career, like no matter what your career is, like, I hope that everyone out there learns that at some point with whatever they're doing and, and if, whether it's artistic or not, like, I mean who you work with matters and it's not about who you work with is more about interpersonal relationships and about uh, a vision rather than like some status quo or some kind of like arbitrary name or status, you know, like it's not, it's not about that. It's more about who do you connect with on a, on a artistic and personal level. Cause I think, I feel like those two things go together. Yeah. Your, your art and your person like who you are as a person like artistically and personality mesh I don't know those like for me those are the same thing for whatever right. reason you know so like I feel like dude I, I met um, I met someone who worked on the record for the first time this weekend 
like other than emails, right? But I met them in person for the first time, but it's like, I already know who you are because I know who you are as an artist. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. And that's like... When you meet your favorite musician or something, you're like, oh, I know you already. It's like, that feels so good. Yeah. That feels so good. It's like, yeah, art art is... Uh, and that's why art is so spiritual to me. Like I kind of mentioned earlier is that's a, that's one little piece of that is, uh, man, it's like, it's a big piece of you, you know, it's a huge piece. Yeah. So let's, as, as we're kind of wrapping up here. Yeah. Um, I want to mention that you guys in, in your upward trajectory here, you've gotten, uh, You've had a couple of songs get a lot of play on 93.3. You've been selling out local venues, including uh, the Bluebird Theater, which I had the pleasure of going to with my girlfriend yeah, uh, two nights again, ago. Man. Dude, absolutely. Oh. It was packed. <laughs> and I was surprised by the wide demographic there. It was uh, it, yeah. old and young. They were all there enjoying. It was cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, we had a lot of family there, too. You can't, can't forget that. So. Yeah. 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 Right. Well, I don't think the guy next to me was related to you, but he had a pretty sweet beard. Yeah. Um, (laughs) it is kind of cool to see our spotify stats and see like the spread of ages because you know spotify will tell you that and like yeah they're kind of all over man. male or female oh it's literally i think it's either 50 50 or 51 49 uh if it's 51 49 it's female otherwise (laughs) otherwise or wait no oh my god here i'm gonna pull it up right now pull it up right now let's figure it out let's calculate your royalties do you remember the uh how do I figure out the that whole portion? Oh yeah. Listeners, there we go. Yep. Uh yep, fifty percent female, forty nine percent male. Wow. Yeah. Pretty insane. That's 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 uh I don't know what it is in terms of good or bad, but that's it it's an intriguing stat. It's super even. It's crazy. It's like you're everybody music. I hope so. Yeah. Isn't that the kind of music that everyone hopes to create though is like music for the people? Like you create it so that everyone can love it? Like you don't or I hope so. I don't know. Right. The Beatles don't have a niche. The the everybody, you know, that that demographic is impossible to pick. Well, here's the thing and I, I do want to say this in this podcast and, and this might be a great like kind of closing uh this is like the Seth of the Seths right here of of who I am musically. Uh, you know, Peter Stoltzman, who we mentioned earlier, he once said that music was a gift. You know, we had a situation in Colorado where we had crazy floods one year, I remember. And in class, he was like, hey, if you want to get involved, there's opportunities to play some music at some shows that are, you, would, you wouldn't get paid, but you're volunteering your time as a musician and like you're helping then people will like donate and whatever to the cause of the floods that are damaging properties and whatever which was super cool. And he goes, isn't that what music is anyways, is a gift? Like, isn't that what we're doing? And wow, that hit me, dude. That really hit home. And since then, I've always kind of even taken it a step further. Like, if music is a gift, like, do you... I kind of see music as this. Because I want it to be for everyone. I want to have... I want everyone to love my music. Not because it's like, oh, I want everyone to love me, but I like... I genuinely like, I want to create music for people, you know? Um, if you were going to hand make a gift, like a Christmas gift, would you hand make a gift for somebody that only you liked? Or would you hand make them a gift that was for them, but had your personality and your style attached wow. to it? Yeah. 
and that's how I view music in a huge way is like music is a gift and it is like, yeah, I'm making music that I love and I'm making music that like sounds good to me. Um, and that makes me feel good and that I do feel comfortable presenting and that I want to give to people, but I'm not making it with just myself in mind. I'm like making it so that everyone can enjoy it, you know? Wow. Yeah. And that's something that is strong with the band too, is that, you know, all four of us having an equal say in the band, we all get to say whether or not something sounds good. And usually if four out of four people say it sounds good, there's a better chance that more people out there will think it sounds good too. You know, like we get it, like everyone has to agree, agree on if it sounds good or not, which I think overall helps how the public sees it. Not that you're going (laughs) to, you're never going to please a hundred percent of your listeners, but yeah. Um, I think, yeah, that's a big deal. Wow. I'm speechless. (laughs) I love that. I was going to ask you real quick. You guys did some really cool, besides going out and touring on your own and besides uh, really blowing up in Denver, you've been going out opening for some cool acts. One uh, I know is the Oh Hellos and um, Jared in the Mill. You've opened up for a lot of national acts. Tell us a fun tour story. Tell us something cool that happened on the road opening up for a a big band because surely some of those shows were, wow, how did this happen? Oh, my gosh. I'm trying to think of a good story now. You got me on the spot, dude. <laughs> you got some drinks in me. You got me on the spot. I don't know. You brought the Makers. I did bring the Makers. <laughs> and you had the beer. Thank you. For the record. Another shout out uh, to Three Freaks Brewery for donating this half keg to this episode. Yeah, it was delicious. What, the IPA? The Three the, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Go check out Three Freaks on Highlands Ranch. They've got a great beer. Um, and they did a collabo with me too. So what up? Yeah. Thanks, Three Freaks. That was a, yeah. Um, good beer. But anyway, so uh, okay, a good story from the road here. From the Oh Hello specifically, or just from anything? Anything. It doesn't have to be a cop car. I know that one's going to be hard to beat. <laughs> oh my gosh, dude. I really like, I'm so drawing a blank right now. You don't even know. Like, I can't even think like, I don't even know. What's it like? What is it like going out into another town and playing know, in front of a huge crowd? I know that. I know that as soon as I leave this, I'm going to be like, Oh, I should have told that story. Whatever story that ends up being. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say the Oh Hello's tour was a huge opportunity. I'm very thankful to be a part of that and to get to tour those guys, all of them, Wow. What just great people, great, great people. Um, and bronze radio return and Jared in the mill. Those are all the opening tours that we went on and all those bands have just been very gracious to us and, uh, welcoming and they've had great crowds uh, that they've gotten to share with us. And yeah, super, uh, thankful to have gotten to be a part of that with them and to meet them and be friends with them now. Um, but I would say, so with the Oh Hellos, we did get to play some huge shows. You know, we got to play some sold out rooms that were like one to 2,000 cap, you know. Uh, And to play to a room that size and to open for them, to get to a play to a room out of state where like you have a built-in crowd and no one knows who you are. Holy cow, man. What, that is some of the coolest opportunities I've ever had in music and I think for all of us and it's it's cool to get to play those shows and 
so so you went to the bluebird show right and that yeah. was that was fun like there was tons of people sold out super thankful for that that was like what an unbelievable experience i'll never forget it but you walk out on that stage and you already have that audience on your side right like everyone's already ready to go yep and i love that there's there's a really cool feeling about that with especially I was telling the band, I was like, yo, the first song on that show was amazing. Cause you just, wow. From the get go, everyone's on your team. Yep. But there's something super cool about walking in front of a packed house where no one knows who you are. And you see the crowd go from silent to then by the end of the show, winning them over. Right. That's a whole different experience that I think is super, uh, encouraging. I think it's encouraging. I think it's uh, it it's a reassuring and like I don't know. It just it just it's a feel good experience, man. It's something like I can't even explain. Uh, and it's kind of weird because like I know like during this podcast right now, I'm at a certain stage of my career, and I hope that it's only up from here. You know, like like as we both do with both of our careers. Like hopefully, that's all you can hope for your career. Um, it'll be weird to look back on this moment and be like, wow, that was fun. Cause there, there might be a day where, you know, who knows if there's a day where that doesn't happen, where you walk out and you don't ever have a crowd that you have to win over anymore. You know, like I wonder about those bands, like, I don't know, Blink-182, like who I was talking about, or like Mumford and Sons or, um, who know, I don't know. Those are why, why those are in my head right now. But, yeah. They don't have anything to prove out there, but they have no, nothing yeah. to prove. They just walk out and they do it. And I think that's super cool. But man, I'm going to, I cherish, uh, getting the bar fight. Yeah. I cherish it, man. I think it's super fun. It's like, it makes you feel like there's a special kind of hype before you, you get morning. out there. Yeah. There's a special kind of hype. Like, let's go do this. Let's go show them Take off the what, gloves, what we're all about. There. And I yeah. love that. I love that feeling. I yep. love feeling like there's something to prove. Uh, and it kind of, it gets you excited in a different way. I think, I think both of them are exciting, you know, but that, that's something special. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, you guys have a new album out. Um, let's wrap up by briefly talking to us about the new album and what's coming up next in 2020 for Wilderness. Yeah. Um, so we have a new record out. It's called In My Mind. Uh, and seven song EP, which is kind of a long EP. Spotify actually counts it as, a, as an album or as a, yes. an LP. <laughs> but we call it an EP. It's just seven songs, you know. Um, and yeah, it's got some songs on there that, uh, one in particular we've been playing since our very first show together, even though this is our second release of a, of a record. So it, it's got new, new songs and old songs, you know, like some that are so fresh and some that are, that we've been sitting on for a while. And I would say it's like our most proud release to date. Um, we're happy to have it out in the world and, as far as the future, what that holds is trying to tour the record a little bit more. We'll be doing that earlier uh, or, or for the early part of the next year. And then also uh, just trying to get around the country more. Like, like you kind of said earlier, as we, you know, we've kind of done the Denver thing here and it's been great and we love Denver. Um, it'll be our home forever, but we're excited to start branching out and uh, building up our fan base in other cities and meeting new people uh, outside of Denver and getting to, just see 
like see where our fans are hiding, you know? (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And start building those relationships too. I think that's a big deal is this whole next year is about that. This whole next year is about getting out on the road and building those relationships. So yeah. Awesome. Well, this is the longest episode of middle-class rock star and it's been nothing but a blast and a pleasure the whole time. Uh, Thanks for having me, Andy. This is awesome. Thanks for doing it. I appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we'll have you on again sometime. Dude, thanks again. All right, there you have it, my conversation with Seth Beamer. Thanks, Seth, for your time and your friendship. It was a great time for me, and I hope it was for you as well. I want to say quick thanks again to our sponsors, Narrator RF and PQ Mastering. Thank you guys so much for helping make this possible. I've been getting asked by people what the best way is to support the podcast, and the best way is if you have the Apple Podcast app, go and write a review and give it a five-star rating because that is uh, a big thing for podcasts and getting them uh, to more people, more exposure, whatever. Of course, anything else is great too. We just love you listening, whether it's on SoundCloud or uh, you know your Android or whatever. That's all great too. If you like what you're hearing, if you have suggestions, comments, hate mail, or death threats, you can reach out to me at middleclassrockstar at gmail.com. Also, if there's any future guest suggestions or anything of that nature, you can email me there as well. We're going to play out with a song called Paralyzed from Wilderness's newest release. Again, thanks so much for listening. Until next time. Why don't you tell me how to spend my time? Taking a deep breath and sympathize. Catch me.